Hello, and welcome to a spooky Halloween edition of Roy's Rants. I'm your host, Roy Stiffy, and along with my co-host, Alex, a.k.a. Charles Ross. How you doing on this fine, um, you, you know, it's, it's funny, the, the leaves are falling, uh, but it's like in the 70s. It's very much uh, like the set of the original Halloween movie where uh, it looks like fall, but is actually like, you know, it's like Southern California, so it's hot. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, doing pretty well. I think uh, Halloween time is my favorite time of the year. I I concur. I absolutely love Halloween. Um, I work at a craft store, and this year they, um, they went all out with Halloween decorations, and I should have went all out, but... Um, uh, I, I always end up being broke around the time all the good Halloween decorations are there. And then when I finally get enough uh, cash to buy stuff, it's all gone. So um, all I have is like three pathetic little, well, four decorations for my yard right now. So um, kind of sad. I'm lame. I, I could do better. <laughs> Oh, you got some doors opening up? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just glad maintenance is done working downstairs. Like, they woke me up a couple hours ago uh, <laughs> doing repairs. Well, that's the wonders of podcasting, is unless you have, like, a studio. I, I know some people will go to a professional, you know, sound studio. They've got all their equipment set up and everything, and it's a major recording label. We're, we're, we're garage band style. We're, we're all about the, the raw, you know, real, real podcasting. <laughs> yep. It's like, um, I feel lucky if my neighbor's dog isn't barking when I'm trying to record audiobooks. <laughs> I'm going to have to get some soundproofing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, before we, before we get into this, uh, I do want to say, like, you know, when talking about podcasting, uh, I do, uh, I do appreciate uh, podcasters out there in general. I know there's a lot of us out there. Some are major, some are minor. Uh, in the news recently, there was a there was a true crime podcast uh, group that's come under fire for their uh, one co-host is um, he he had a book deal. Uh, he just had a book release. Uh, Ruth and I actually went to go see this guy. Um, I met the man. Uh, he actually gave me a jacket to wear at our wedding. Um, got really close and seemed like a really nice guy. And then there's all this news breaking out of like horrible behavior behind the scenes. Uh, they had a convention. There was a lot of stuff going on at the convention. Uh, the funny thing was people were like, I want my money back. This convention's a farce. There's all stuff going on. I'm like, really? To me, it's not like a ball because there was so much tea being spilled. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. I was like, there are like there are, there are podcasters arguing with podcasters out in public in front of the guests and everything. I'm like, oh, man, that's sweet. I'd do my own podcast, start recording it, and be like, what's going on? And, you're, and your side of the argument is what now? And counter uh, counterpoint? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, they always say, don't ever meet your heroes. They'll let you down. And, uh, it's, it's, I'm, 
like I'm amused by the whole thing, but at the same time, like I'm seeing Ruth get all kind of upset because these are like people that we really liked and everything, really care about. Like I said, I'm gonna like wear the dude's jacket to wedding and everything, and now I'm like, do I wear the jacket? Like he actually went and had it one either made for me specifically because the one he had was like way too big for me. But, like I, I feels kind of like dirty to not wear it, but also at the same time, like. If I post photos, you know, in those podcaster group with me wearing it, they'll be like, you support this guy and he's a monster. Right, exactly. You know, so, but I, I would just like to announce that if we ever, if this ever takes off, um, if this takes off or from our couch takes off, little sister uh, podcast that I do, uh, I would just like to say that from the get-go, I am a horrible person and I treat people horribly. I treat Alex horribly. We really don't get along. It's all a farce. Um, just get that out of the way. So, um, you know, I treat my, I, I abuse my family behind camera. I'm horrible. So that when it all breaks out later on, it's like, well, he already admitted that. So he admitted he's a monster. You can't really uh, blame him that you all decide to follow him anyway. Right. Roy's worse than Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I look up to Ellen. Ellen was like, the bar and I've surpassed it. I, I literally throw hot coffee in intern spaces for fun. I do this for fun. Um, of course, I'm joking. Um, if this were to ever take off, it'd be hilarious because people would clip this and be like, can you believe he does this sort of thing? <laughs> what a freaking monster. He admitted to throwing coffee in the intern space and then he said the intern was his own stepchild. What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a monster, people. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible human being. Um, but, you know, that that's like, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. The rumors were so crazy about this podcaster. They actually said that at the convention they had. Now, now mind you, this convention is for like all the podcasters in their little network. The highest package you could pay to go see this thing, go to different events, was like $1,200. I am never spending $1,200 on a podcaster. Um, guys, if if something were to happen, we ever hit it that big, and I have a convention, you know, the, the, the Roy's Rantathon, or whatever, uh, Rantacon, Rantcon, I don't know. Um, do not pay $1,200 to come see me just so I can read my book to you or something like that. Like, you know, like, I don't know about Alex. I can't vouch for him. Like, you know, if, you, if he wants to do a reading of his book, maybe he wants to charge $1,200. But... No, I, I've done it for free. <laughs> and I think even if I was popular, I would probably still do it for free. There you go. Um, but like the, the rumors were so bad that they actually had a person say that they were handicapped they're wheelchair bound and the wheelchair bound people at this convention got different color coded badges and when they went to um like the meet and greet they had tables set up and everything and all of the people in the wheelchairs were relegated to a table in the back <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm like i'm pretty sure that's a violation of you know civil rights there but <laughs> Oh man, it was ridiculous. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, you know, I'm telling Ruth, I'm like, this can't be. I said, you're listening to hearsay. She's like, the person said they're handicapped and that's what they have. I'm like, I don't know. 
I'm like, I kind of want to see like photographic proof that this actually happened. I kind of want to see, you know, there's all this he said, she said stuff. And in the true crime podcasting, you know, genre, you get a lot of, well, even podcasting in general, you get a lot of extreme takes on things. You're either a monster or an angel. You're nothing in between. And everything you do um, gets magnified tenfold. So a lot of the stuff she's saying to me, I'm like, I'm like, honey, is there proof? Well, so-and-so said so. I'm like, yeah, okay. I asked if there was proof. <laughs> like actual documentation, not just, well, so-and-so was having dinner and they heard this other person crying about this thing. Like, I, not, not to be, I, you know, not to be a, a, a doubting Thomas, but kind of want to see that you know someone actually documented that stuff so but hey that's not us we're actually good people uh i said that i was horrible as a joke okay just a joke calm down uh put away the pitchforks and the 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 torches i'm a good person i can't vouch for alex alex could actually be the devil for all i know i could Um, i could be I could I could be like the devil and Lucifer who actually eventually gets a heart or whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you watch Lucifer, he seems like a nice guy. Smith understood. Anyway, today being our Halloween-themed episode, uh, which I promise I will put out today. <laughs> I won't wait a couple of days, uh, but I will actually put it out today. Um, we're going to talk about Halloween. Uh, the movie series, the movie franchise. There are 13 films currently in the Halloween franchise. Uh, current rumors are that it may be going to the small screen. Um, Friday the 13th is actually going to the small screen right now, so I don't know if that's just the Akkads just kind of wanting to follow suit, and follow trends, or they just felt that it's played out right now. Um, obviously, the current Halloween uh, franchise ended with Halloween Ends. They wrapped up the story on that. Um, and we uh, we wanted to... We're not going to do the full review that we normally do. We're not going to go so in-depth so this is like five hours long and two parts. Uh, what we decided to do... I should say Alec brought it up and I just agreed because I was like, oh yeah, good. <laughs> is we're going to rank them and then we'll discuss uh, we'll discuss why we think those particular movies um, belong in that ranking. I will I will give basic information for each chapter, but we're not going to go in-depth on them. We're just going to give our ideas. And then at the end, I'm going to talk a, real quick about my Halloween idea um, for a sequel. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I have a pretty good one, too. I'd be interested to see oh, if sweet. it actually ends up being the same. Sweet. All right. So first... I think I'm going to let you give out your list. I have my ranking list here. I'm going to have you give out your list and then I'm going to give out a list. And then we're just going to go in time. We're just going to go through the time, uh, and, you know, from the very beginning and justify our rankings. Is that what, you, is that yep. what you're saying? Yep. Yep. I think that's, that's the best way because it'd be kind of done. Like at first I was like, should we just go down the list and be like, well, number one, in my opinion, is this movie, and then it's all out of order, or should we go in order and say, what do you think it is on the list? Let's just do the list and then go. So 
I'm going to leave that to you. Go right ahead and tell me your ranking of the Halloween franchise. All right. Are we starting from worst to best or best to worst? Um, you can go worst to best if you'd like. Okay. So at number 13 is Halloween ends for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got Halloween 5. Okay. Halloween Resurrection. Okay. Halloween 6. The producer's cut. Uh, oh. <laughs> Halloween 4 uh, Halloween H2O uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 Halloween 2008 uh, Halloween 2 or I'm sorry Halloween I'm sorry I, I got Halloween 2 and Halloween 2 re- uh, mixed up but <laughs> um, I have Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 at number 4 not number 6 and then wow. I got Halloween Kills at three. And then my first and second spot swap all the time because I love both these movies. I can never decide which one is my favorite. But uh, tied for one and two is the original Halloween and Halloween three. Okay. Interesting. Our list is different. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with my list. At the very bottom of the pile, Halloween Resurrection from 2002. Uh, after that, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from 2009. Um, 11th on the list, Halloween Ends from 2022. 10th on the list, Halloween Kills from 2021. 9th on the list, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. And I forgot to put a date, but I want to say 89. Because, yeah, it was 89 because Halloween 4 came out in 88. Number 8, Rob Zombie's Halloween in 2007. Number seven, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers in 1996. And I'm going to go ahead and lump the producer's cut in there. Uh, I totally forgot that there's two versions of this film. So technically we could have done 14 spots because the producer's cut is a different beast altogether. Yes, it is. Um, number six, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982. Number five, Halloween, H2O, 1998. Number four, Halloween 4, 1998. 88. Number three, Halloween 2018. Number two, Halloween 2 in 1981. And of course, number one, the classic Halloween 1978. So we both got, I know you said to tie uh, for one and two, the end Halloween 1978, but I'm just going to go ahead. We're going to, we're, I'm going to call it number one. Uh, released in 1978, it is one hour, 31 minutes. It is rated R, uh, written and directed directed by John Carpenter along with writing um, t- uh, bits of writing from Deborah Hill stars Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Tony Moran as the shape Michael Myers um, what I mean what can you say about this movie besides it, it set the tone for so many slasher films it is it is a classic it's not nearly as bloody or violent as, per se, like Friday the Thirteenth or Sleepaway Camp, or um, you know, I, I even say like Nightmare on Elm Street, even though like some of the blood is like green and whatever, but there's like a fountain of blood and all that crap. So, um, it's very suggestive, but there's something about. I, I think it's I think it's because. Carpenter created such a great theme and they came up with such an iconic 
character of the shape and the fact that it's such a mystery it's such a blank you just you just kind of set up the legend right off the bat he doesn't talk he hasn't talked in years how does he get a car how does he like he, he does these things it's this it's just i don't i don't know it's such a great there's even a line in the movie it's like uh, it's like somebody that like had taught him to drive apparently or he just knows how to for some reason yeah, like, they're like, well, how the hell did he, you know, how the hell did he drive away from here? And Loomis is like, I don't know. Maybe someone here gave him lessons. Um, you know, so it, it, it's one of the, it's one of those half sarcastic lines, half like, well, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe he pretended to be innocent around one of the orderlies, and they're like, oh man, poor guy. Or maybe he just, you, you can't tell with the shape. That is one of the things. Now we'll get into it with other sequels and other iterations where I'm like, you you have this mystery about him and that's what makes him so appealing. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I think when, when the different branching off sequels try to explain like where his abilities come from or what his motivation is, I think that's, that makes him less scary. Right. Um, Jamie Lee is such a great presence as a final girl. She of course is the, she's, I mean, you can say there's a final girl in Black Christmas and everything, which pre- precedes this, but Jamie really set set the tone as well for final girl, uh, girl. Um, and I and I love uh, Nancy Loomis or Nancy Keys, but she she she, made, she was going by Nancy Loomis at the time. They have a Doctor Loomis there, and I'm like, that's kind of funny. Um, as Annie, I don't know why. I just I. I know everybody else loves Linda, PJ Soul's character for obvious reasons, but I like Annie. Annie, um, and she shows up later on in John Cooper's *The Fog* as the assistant to the mayor. I don't know. I, I always had a crush on her, so um, there's there's always going to be a, a, a soft place, a soft spot in my heart for Annie. Um, I also love the way she says Lindsay. <laughs> Played by Kyle Richards of uh, uh, it, for anybody who watches reality TV, Kyle Richards is a Real Housewife um, on uh, Bravo. The Real Housewife, the the Real Housewife universe, that like the MCU. Uh, I'm not sure which one. Ruth would scream at me right now because I don't I don't know which one. I want to say possibly the the, the Los Angeles branch because she is Hollywood. Or whatever, but um, she is a real housewife. Um, she actually does make an appearance later on in the franchise as the girl being um, uh, the babysitter all grown up. Um, unfortunately, Tommy Doyle, uh, played by Brian Andrews, he kind of aged out, so they replaced his. They they recast his ass. So because um, he he, I'm looking at a photo of him right now. I'm like, yeah, I can see why the directors are like, no, nah, we're not going back to him. Sorry, buddy. Um, and, and of course, God, you know, you have to talk about Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Um, Christopher Lee was supposed to be in the running for this, but um, he passed. On, he passed on it. He didn't pass. I was like, was wait alive. a minute. <laughs> I was like, he didn't, he didn't die. He, passed, he said, I'll pass on this. Uh, and it's one of his major regrets. He would have loved it. Uh, because it was, you know, it, he's from the Hammer Horror history. I, don't, I guess he didn't realize that 
Doctor Loomis is kind of a hammer horror kind of character. Sure. Um, he he definitely could hunt down Dracula or create Frankenstein. <laughs> um, Loomis is is definitely a troubled character. And as as a kid, I had a very basic understanding of Loomis as a good guy. Watching the movies now as an adult, I realized that he is more of just an Ahab character. Like he could start off as good, but through like other sequels and stuff, you start to see him get a little bit more and more unhinged. Yeah, he becomes consumed in a way by yeah. his hunt for Michael. Yeah, which I mean is is actually you could probably upon first notice, you could be like, Well, no, that's just really bad writing or whatever, but like, no, no, no. It's actually some good character development, just not a good character. He's turning into a bit of an asshole. Um, especially by Halloween five. Uh, you know, but Halloween, you know, we'll get in, we'll get into other problems. When we get to those. Um, any other thoughts on Halloween one before we move on to Halloween two? Well, I mean, it really jumpstarted John Carpenter's career. I mean, I th- he did a couple movies before then. I think he did Dark Star, Assault, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, yeah, and Somebody's Watching Me. And maybe that's also he might have done the Elvis movie before then as well. But this one, but really put him to stardom. I want to say Elvis was after this. Was um, it? I wasn't sure. I, I think so. But yes, this this really um, people started to take notice of John. John, he like from a fan perspective up until the 2000s. I love pretty much all of his work. Like I'm just like holy crap. These I could watch any of these movies, even even Ghosts of Mars. Um. After that, he just kind of like, you know, fell off. Now he just does music and produces stuff. But he's still there. Uh, and, and the music for the latest trilogy of films, top notch. Like, I mean, I know he has assists with his son and everything, but it's great stuff. So Yeah, he's easily my favorite director. Yeah. Now, um, I had Halloween 2 listed as my second, and mainly because most... See, well, okay, before I get into it, Halloween 2, 1981, one hour, 32 minutes, uh, rated R. John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, once again, writers and produce, writers, producers, direct, you know, but the director was Rick Rosenthal this time. Uh, John wanted nothing to do with a Michael Myers sequel, but Mustafa Akkad, who pretty much ended up getting the rights from Halloween off of John. Um, well, I mean, like they came together and asked John, hey, you got an idea for this? Or we got this idea called the Babysitter Murderers. You know, where do you go from there? And of course, John turned it into what it was. Um, Halloween being such a phenomenal hit, they originally had the idea of doing uh, an anthology every year. And, and it's so funny because you're like, you look at like Saw, um, you know, Lionsgate was like, we're going to pump out a Saw movie every year. It's going to be a Halloween treat. We're just going to like do that. And as ridiculous as the Saw films were, for a while there, I'm like, that's kind of a fun concept. Just like, yeah, we're going to pump out these shitty little low-budget horror films every year. We're going to tell this long-winded story. Um, and it's, and it's going to be ridiculous fun. Don't take it too seriously. Halloween was going to be an anthology, but the you know Akkad was like, um, we made way too much damn money from the last film and you filmed him walking away from it all 
So we're going to do a sequel and you're contractually obligated and we'll sue your ass if you don't fucking come back. <laughs> so John spent a couple days in a hotel room with a six pack of beer and crapped out a story that he hates to this day that they even retcon in, in the new trilogy. But for some odd reason, I absolutely love it. I don't, I don't, I love the concept of a sequel that takes place just minutes after the first movie. I thought that would, you know, cause like as a kid, I never paid attention to the Halloween movies that closely. I was a big Jason and Freddy fan, um, but I knew of Michael and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's creepy. There was something about Halloween that was always kind of creepy to me as a kid. Um, pardon me. I, I, I had a bunch of uh, Halloween candy, um, you know, in, in honor of our podcast before we started. So now I've got the burpees along with my diet, Dr. Pepper. Uh, so, you know, this this movie takes place mostly in a hospital. Um, you know, Lori has like no freaking lines for most of the movie. She just plays traumatized. Uh, she has a bad wig. Uh, everybody makes fun of it. And Michael's kills are much more graphic. Um, there were a lot of people surrounded with production who didn't care for that, but they knew they had to up the ante. Because it's a sequel, baby. Um, other, I mean, I, you know, you can, you can say for at least one of the cool points of it is Lance Guest is in it as Jimmy, the paramedic, who is like Laura's new... Uh, or I should say Lori's new love interest because her old love interest blows up in a van explosion in this movie. <laughs> right, yeah. You talk about Loomis's crusade against Michael. He almost shoots him and then somebody actually runs his ass over. Yeah, he, he gets he gets sandwiched between two cars and blows up. Um, poor Ben Tramer. <laughs> I love the continuity of that. I love the character they mentioned in the first movie just offhand like oh Ben Tramer says you're cute and then they kill his ass in the next movie because he right. happens to wear uh, Michael's so in the, in the universe of Halloween the creepy ass shape mask is just something you can pick up anywhere at any store and if you're a fan of Halloween you know what it is it's a Shatner mask right with like the eyebrows plucked the mask tweezed and painted white uh one of the things about this movie, though, speaking of the mask, is that apparently Deborah Hill kept it in her apartment, was a rant, you know, just a nonstop smoker, and it was just shoved in a box under her bed. Um, so the mask itself, it looks funny, it looks weird, it's falling apart. Because they didn't, like, back then, they didn't really have the technology to, like, preserve a latex mask or keep sculpts of it to know that you know they're going to reuse it they just kind of said whatever keep the mask it's fine um i think even the guy who played the shape in the last movie held on to it for a little while was like we're going to need that back and then uh it just stayed under a bed for a month or two or a couple months um so it looks funny it looks weird in fact there's one scene where they they did a different mask and is um he's got blonde hair instead of dark hair it's kind of bizarre um I will say probably the most there's two major kills in this movie that are like the most memorable one of course being the hot tub murder um for notorious reasons uh um you know as as some childish people would say out there boobies yep 
Um, beautiful actress. Um, I mean, the first Halloween had movie had boobies too. Right, but this like you know yeah we had the oh you did see anything you like scene, um, but this was probably even crazier because she gets boiled to death. Um, by Michael because Michael doesn't mind his hand boiling while he's holding her down in the boiling water he's like ah whatever I mean he got shot six times I I think uh, he's beyond human by now yeah I, well yeah and that's that's kind of the fun thing about Michael is they don't ever flat out say um, you know like Jason Voorhees once we're past part four he becomes a, a zombie um, but Michael just he's just evil and apparently evil makes you, you know, involve, you know, he's, he's impervious to like bullets and burning and all sorts of stuff, at least for a little while. Um, so yeah, this movie is basically about Michael stalking Lori in a hospital while Loomis and a, and a new, new, uh, a deputy because, uh, the sheriff in the last one is mourning the loss of his daughter, which, you know, poor Annie. Um, and then they finally meet up at the end and Carpenter wanted to make damn sure that Michael doesn't come back from this. Um, this was before Akkad put a contract, you know, put out in the contract, like, you can't kill Michael. If you're going to work on my film, Michael has to live. Um, so Loomis is kind of caught in an operating room. Uh, Lori shot out Michael's eyes, which is funny because she shot him twice in the face somehow managed to glance off of each of his sockets so that he's he's he has eyeballs but he's bleeding from the eyeballs like you can see his eyeballs but there's blood tricking out of mass it's kind of bizarre yeah um and he's like still slashing away with a scalpel and loomis is like well time to end this uh, so he turns on the air he turns on the oxygen and he lights a he lights his lighter uh as Lori escapes um and they blow up and uh, so Loomis is dead. Um, Michael walks out and then he falls down. His face is like disintegrating in the fire. John, like I said, wanted this thing done. And he said, you know, screw this guy. We're blowing him up. Because like I said, he wanted to do an anthology and they're like trying to stick with Michael. So he was, he was fighting it the whole way. Uh, I listed this as number two on my ranking list because it just, I feel like number one and two go together. It's peanut butter and jelly. It's it's basically one long film. Um, how did you rank number two? I ranked number two at six, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. I think it, it if 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 I didn't know that this wasn't directed by John Carpenter, I would guess that it still was. Uh, I, I, mean, he, I think a, I think Dean Cundy was the DP again. Well, um, Rick Rosenthal is the director, and I guess he right. worked a lot with Carpenter, so he was able to replicate the the feel and the style. And of course, I mean, yeah. Carpenter's still a producer, a writer, and did the music, so that's the, all the other ingredients are still there. Um, but I think it's it's a good sequel, uh, and I, I think that if you're going to follow up the original movie, that's it's probably one of the best ways to do it. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I know you have obviously four other movies between one and that. I, what, what's your what's your detractor for it being number six? Uh, 
it's got I think it's got like a lot of lulls and um, it does besides Pleasance and the sheriff there aren't any really great characters I think um, well, and I don't really count Lori because like you said she's kind of comatose until the final act um, the mask looks kind of goofy in some scenes um, right I don't know it's like I, I, I don't hate it but I also I've never like really like had a massive love for it either um, but it's it's one it's one of the ones that it's like I, I revisit but I don't um, have a massive love for it right I got you I, I understand I'm not gonna say you're wrong I'm not gonna argue with you I I I am posting it high up on my list because I just kind of fell in love with it about 10 years ago or so like I really fell in love with it as just basically a chapter two you know what I mean like it felt like to me connected to the first one really um but I could see your point at the same time so let's move on um Halloween 3 Season of the Witch 1982 uh rated R uh one hour 38 minutes now I'm gonna go ahead and read this kids all over America want silver shamrock mask for Halloween Dr. Daniel Chalice seeks to uncover the plot uh, a, a clandestine plot by uh, the, uh, the owner of OCP Silver Shamrock over Conal Cochran this is directed by Tommy Lee Wallace who was uh, I believe also the shape in the first movie or he was the shape in the second I can't really remember by the way he was connected with the first two movies in that way um, so John wanted out of the Halloween stuff because like now you're still locked in we'll go ahead and do this anthology thing but you still got to produce something so he wrote a script uh, along with Nigel Neal uh, about a, um, a, a a plot that involves pieces of Stonehenge morphed into circuitry that are attached to masks that when children wear them on Halloween night the silver shamrock jingle will turn them into bugs. Um, it's nonsense. It's not connected, obviously, to the Halloween franchise. Um, there are human. There, there are old-timey clockwork android mannequin people walking around this town that makes these masks and going out and doing the bidding of uh, the old man from OCP. Uh, it's, I mean, describing it sounds like I'm talking like about a fever dream. Like, it's, it's just, it's just crazy and insane. Um, you know, I listed this as number six on mine for the fact that it's not part of the Halloween friend. It's not part of the Michael Myers, but I'm not going to say it's the worst. It used to be touted as the biggest piece of crap ever, but somewhere around 20 years ago or so, it's been building up momentum ever since. Um, I, I, I would actually rent this film or buy the DVD and I would play it with my friends. And they'd be like, oh, come on, Roy. How can you, no, this is horrible. I don't want to watch this. I'm like, no, dude, you gotta watch this. You gotta watch this movie. It's so bad shit insane. <laughs> Tom Atkins is in it. He's great. He's he's a 
he's a Lothario that basically has banged everybody, every woman in that hospital he's had a tryst with, I swear to God. <laughs> um, you know, but his wife hates him and his kids think he's kind of a, like, well, they're indifferent to him. But he's, he's always, like, coming over and being like, yeah, I got this shitty toy. And the mom's like, not good enough, Rick. Um, you know, he, he meets this girl in this mystery and immediately bangs her. It's like like in the fog when he bangs J- Jamie Lee after, like, two seconds of knowing her. I'm like, damn, Tom, calm down. Uh, but I love Tom, actually. So that's great. Dan O'Hurley, I don't know how to pronounce him. Old, old man from OCP. That's Colonel Cochran. I mean... That guy's voice is awesome. It's so booming and authoritative. Uh, watching a kid sit in front of a TV and start clawing at his face as his head becomes bugs. Come on, that's 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 brilliant, right? That's brilliant, right? right? Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. I mean, it's they're clearly like trying to say like t- television is brainwashing children, which is not untrue. Uh, but I mean, it's like doing what most great horror movies do. It, it has something to say without being over the top. Well, it is over the top, but not like being uh, preachy about it is what I mean. Yeah, it, it's it's. I I would love to have seen the Halloween franchise move forward in this fashion of creating new things. Um, I, I would love to visit that multiverse where, where Season of the Witch took off and Halloween 4 has nothing to do with Michael Myers. I love, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still don't mind these Halloween movies. We have a ranking, we have a list, there's other, you know, other choices that I picked that I, I've enjoyed. Um, but, you know, it's, it just is what it is. Um, it's it certainly left its mark on the series because if you if you notice, Roy, in a lot of the sequels, especially the, the most three most recent ones, you'll see kids wearing these masks in the background when they're trick-or-treating. Like, I love right. that little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, but it did bomb. It did fail. And Akkad, who had kind of already, he'd already kind of felt it. Like, I knew he was kind of like, well, we got to stick with this Michael guy. That just kind of solidified um, Michael Myers has to come back. So the Halloween franchise was kind of a joke at this time. Um, they let it go for a couple years. And in 1988, 10 years after the first one, they created Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, which I did put at number four. You can tell you can tell what a, like I'm such a, a originalist. I'm like, yeah, uh, number four is number four. Um, <laughs> I know you you listed Halloween three as your either your second or your first one, right? It was like a toss up, right? That is correct. I, I change my mind all the time. I even asked you before we did this. I was like, are we including Halloween three? Because I mean, it's not yeah, part no, I, of the Myers story. I I had Halloween three as my number six, so um, still out of thirteen, still on the higher end. Um, Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. It's a brisk movie. It's one hour, 28 minutes, nothing heavy. Came out in 1988, rated R. The director was Dwight H. Little. The writers were Danny Lipsius, Larry Ratner, and Benjamin Ruffner. It stars Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis, Ellie Cornell as Rachel Carruthers, Daniel Harris as Jamie Lloyd, and George Wilbur as Michael Myers. Um... I never had a love of this film. 
until recently. Again, like, like I said, in the last 10 or so years, I've had kind of a Halloween renaissance where I've really kind of embraced the Halloween movies. Whereas that I didn't get sounds like a title to the next movie, Halloween Ren- Renaissance. <laughs> Halloween Renaissance gets really artsy with his kills. Um, yeah, so it, it's. I guess, like, I started watching, like, YouTube reviews of Halloween 4. I started seeing some people in the past couple years who were like, Halloween 4 is not nearly as bad as you think it is. And can I say that, yes, the mask looks horrible. It's Michael it's doesn't, awful. <laughs> it, it looks awful. I think Halloween 5 looks worse, but um, it does not look great. Uh, I, I think what, what's funny about these Halloween movies, the sequels is that they can't really emulate the way the mask looked in the first time around. Like, apparently, they couldn't just go buy more Shatner masks or talk to the company that made the mask. I'm like, do you have the original molds? Can we please buy them? You know, remake it. They kept trying to do it on their own. And I'm like, look, that's fine if you do it on your own. Can you make it look cool? Can you try to make it look menacing and not dorky? What the... Why are you Why are you screwing this up? Yeah, I mean... Uh, one of my favorite quotes, quotes from John Carpenter is that the worst thing a horror movie can be is not scary. And it's like you have a, an antagonist that is iconic like that, and he looks goofy. It, it doesn't help. But I will say, like, one of the reasons why I do keep this up here is, one, it expands the mythology. Two, the opening scene of Haddonfield in fall being all desolate and kind of just like it, it's it's there's something really creepy about the opening of Halloween four, uh, or I could be I might be mistaking that for five. Damn it! Either way, I love intros of both of them. Um, but like you get this this setup of this in, like insane institution they're transporting Michael, and, and it, is, it is one of those funny things like maybe we should not be transporting Michael Myers, a prolific serial killer, who uh, his original breakdown revolved around Halloween. Maybe we should not agitate the patient right around Halloween time. Yeah, and this won't be the last time they make this mistake in the series. Which is right, it's like they just keep wanting to do that right around Halloween. I'm like, uh, guys, not a great yeah. idea. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just going to say my favorite scene in the movie is uh, is uh, when he does the massacre at the, um, the car workshop. Um, and then there's oh, that God, big, yeah. the face down between him and Loomis in the diner where there's like a good like 20 feet between them and Loomis is just talking at him. Uh, right. I think all that Loom- stuff Loom- is great. Loomis is begging him. He's like, I'm begging you, please don't go to that town. Leave them be. You you cause enough harm there. And Michael just stands there and he's like, God damn you, Michael. Um, and of course, Michael gets away. Uh, his driving skills have gotten much better because he manages to sabotage the gas station, blow up Loomis' car. Uh, they, they, they definitely up the ante there. Uh, yeah, so Loomis survives the attack, uh, the explosion. He's just a little scarred. Um, and uh, Michael survived the explosion. He's, he's really scarred at this point. But uh, we have a new, uh, a new protagonist in uh, Jamie Lloyd played by Daniel Harris and we'll hear that name again for a couple other films uh, she is the daughter of Laurie Strode um, Laurie has died in a car accident and this is going to get retconned later on uh, 
but you know uh lori apparently died she had well she got married and had a kid we're assuming it's the ambulance driver from halloween too um but they both died and uh jamie is now living with her cousin and rachel I, I like Rachel. I, I know, like, typically when I talk about, like, final girls and stuff, I know I skew towards the dark-haired ladies, and she's your typical 80s blonde chick. But she seems a little bit smarter than most. But yeah, she's also she, dumb she's about it. What's that? She's not bad. She's not bad. She is a little dumb about a boy. Um, the, uh, the the main boy, uh, Brady... And his his uh, like, well, you you cut out your dates. So I'm gonna go bang this other chick. Like, I love his 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 uh, realization about that. Um, but you know, he 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 gets his. So does the other girl. It's, it's uh, death by shotgun impalement. But um, I love I love like in the in, the the um, beginning of the movie when they're trying to transport uh, Michael and Raymond O'Connor. Uh, he has a he has a very distinctive look to his face. He's got really bad teeth. And his eyes are like grayish green, like it's it's kind of creepy. And um, I, one of the people's like, "Oh, uh, Jesus!" And, and he's just like, "Jesus got nothing to do with it, you know, being here." <laughs> um, talks about like all the uh, crazy Looney Tunes there and everything. So, but um, yeah, the atmosphere of this movie, and even the atmosphere, at least in the beginning of Halloween Five, it's pretty good. The uh, ending of the movie leaves you to, like, they do the whole, like, you know, Michael getting shot all to hell. There's, there, yeah, there's a militia and crazy shit like that. Um, but he gets shot all to hell and back. But then they set it up for Jamie to be the next uh, shape. She has this idea of wearing the uh, same, basically the same kind of clown outfit that Michael wore when he killed his sister. Yeah. Um, and the end sets it up that she, like, attacks her, her, uh, her mom or well her her aunt um and loomis is just at the bottom of the stairs he's ready to kill he's got his gun ready because he's like i'm not making a new michael there's no way and he's like screaming he's like no no and the sheriff is trying to like or not the sheriff i can't remember whoever survived out of law enforcement by the time michael's done slaughtering most of them um you know uh he, he you know stops Loomis from shooting her. You just cut to Jamie with a knife covered in blood, and that left everybody thinking like, "Oh, good, Jamie is going to become the next, you know, the next uh, Michael Myers." So, um, one other highlight: there's a scene where Loomis is trying to hitch a ride, and people are mocking him, but then he gets picked up by uh, this guy named Car- played by Carmen Philpy, Reverend Jackson P. Sayer. And uh, he calls Loomis a pilgrim. And he's like, oh, you're fighting evil, huh? And, you know, Loomis is pretty much, yeah, <laughs> you're damn right I am. <laughs> um, so there's that, yeah, that wonderful little moment there. Uh, and that's why I rank it pretty high on my list, even though this this starts the Thorn trilogy, uh, which is, of course, a renowned low point of the saga. But hey, th- there's lots of low points in this saga. Where did you rank Halloween 4? I ranked Halloween 4 at number 9. Number 9, huh? Um, I do find it extreme. I don't I only hate one of these movies on my list. Like I hate I hate the very last one that I listed. So, so I don't hate this movie. I think it's it's very tight, it's well paced. 
Um, you can tell that John Carpenter isn't involved because the music feels off, the directing feels off. Uh-huh. Obviously, Michael looks kind of goofy in most of the for most of the film. But Pleasance and I think most of the supporting cast is great. Um, I think that it's a fun, well-paced movie. I like the idea of the rednecks in the town deciding to take up arms and go hunt this guy down. I think that's that's one of the fun parts of the movie. Um, but yeah, I think it's pacing is what ultimately ends up saving it. Yeah, I think there are story beats in here that even though you think it's part four, it's going to be a piece of crap, it's actually not too bad. And um, you can kind of tell that like um, David Gordon Green, who did the, the reboot franchise, the recent one, uh, the legacy sequels, uh, you could tell that he likes certain parts of it because Halloween Kills has a posse, has like people running around trying to take law on their own. Right, here, so. and I think Halloween Kills did it uh, a little bit better. It's a little bit better, but it's also bad at the same time. So I, you know, there's reasons why it's towards the end of my list. Uh, some of the ridiculous nature. Um, Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers, released one year later uh, in 1989. It is one hour and 36 minutes. It is longer. Um, it does take place literally one year after Halloween 4. Um, for, it is directed by Dominique Othen-Gerard. I've never heard of this person in my life. Uh, Michael Jacobs writes the script. It's funny, IMDb lists Carpenter and Hill in there. It's like, I know you're listing them because of the characters of Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers, but these two had absolutely nothing to do with this series at this point. They're like, whatever, leave me alone. Uh, Of course, starring Donald Pleasance and returning Daniel Harris as Jamie and Ellie Cornell as Rachel. Um... What's really weird is, you know, Rachel was, she was like our new Jamie in the next movie, as in the babysitter trying to survive Michael. Um, I love, I love how every little, uh, <laughs> while I'm talking to you, the feedback on your end sounds like there's like a Decepticon talking. Well, <laughs> maintenance has started working again downstairs, oh, trying cool. to find a room where I can't hear them. But my apartment's so tiny. All right. So guys, just pretend that like a Decepticon is asking uh, Alex for his glasses and uh, wants his eBay, you know, ask him his eBay handle. Um, <laughs> that- that's a Transformers 2007 joke there. <laughs> anyway, this movie is, where did I list it? I listed it as number nine on my scale because it's not the worst movie, but it is forgettable. Um, Dr. Loomis is full Ahab at this point. Jamie is mute most of the movie. I don't know if like like from I always tried to research this. I'm like, why did they decide to make her mute for this movie? It just seems dumb. She's mute and she's like more psychically linked to Michael than ever. Yeah. Um because they're related. Right, because that's how that works. Um but like I I I was trying to see if like Daniel Harris had strep throats or you know, were they pulling a, a uh, um poltergeist where the girl's sick and we're like we don't care get on the front of that camera <laughs> not not to be you know not to make fun of that it was a horrible tragedy but at the same time like man these people were scumbags 
um, probably treated their their young actors. But there's there's nothing I could find besides that's just how they wanted it. Like I don't know if they were inspired by Halloween two, where Laurie's mute most of the time and doesn't talk, but like, she can talk. I don't know, but um, Loomis gets very Ahab with her. He's like pushing the kid around. The nurse is like, "Calm down, Doctor Loomis." She's like, "Yeah, she knows where to go." Uh, we, are you getting new walls installed or something? <laughs> no, it's it's the apartment below me. Oh, that's okay. what that's what makes it even sadder. They're not even in my apartment. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This happens. Um, what the uh, really the thing that really pisses me off about this film in particular is uh, Rachel's character gets killed off pretty early in this in the movie. And the new protagonist is her annoying, bubbly friend, Tina, who doesn't want to deal with taking care of Jamie. It isn't really her job, but she does act like she's like, well, I love her and I care about her. But I really care. It's not a big deal, Doc. I just want to go to a party and hang out and get banged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's Tina's pretty terrible. Tina is terrible. And this is the person we have to follow through most of the movie. Um, yeah, yeah, like at this point in the 80s horror films, if you survived the the last film, you more than likely were dying in the next film. It was just kind of how how they uh, did that. Um, other things about this movie is they introduced the thorn symbol without knowing what that meant. There was originally a version of this where and I, I think it was filmed. I don't know if they're like, you know, I, I've never seen it, but... I, where a crazy uh, satanic cult leader type character finds Michael after the events of part four and nurses him to health and decides to put that tattoo because he's like all about chaos. And that's what the tattoo is like, supposed to be like chaotic, man. It's like Sam Haynes, like, you know, whatever. Uh, the, the cult of Thorn. Um, that got ripped out and it turned out to just be a homeless person. And Michael had already had the tattoo. We've never seen it before. Nothing's ever been mentioned before, but there it is. It's on his arm. Um, then at the end of the movie, a man in black shows up, blows up. The, like, they capture Michael. They don't kill him. They capture him. They put, like, a chain. They put a net over him and stuff. Um, but then the man in black comes in, kills everybody. Um, Michael gets free. Jamie's walking around, poor little kid, terrified out of her mind, and that's like the end. Um, this movie bombed. They they struck too soon. They they didn't realize they needed to let it breathe. That's one of the reasons why part four was so very successful. Was that people were craving it. They got their sad they got they got that taste that they didn't need another spoonful the next year. But Akkad Akkad wanted it. He's like, we gotta get it out. So he, you know, full steam ahead. Where where did I listed um, Halloween five as number nine? Where did you list Halloween five again? I listed number twelve, so second to last. I can I can see that it's it, the the biggest crime is that it's unimportant. It's it's you you can watch another Halloween movie and be like, oh okay. Yeah, I think I think Tina is what ruins it for me, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like it. it does it? It just if it, it it's definitely like a mid a mid movie too, where they're like trying to set up the next one. Um, I like the, I like the jailbreak stuff, and and again, 
I don't think Michael looks as goofy as he does in four, but it's still pretty bad. I was still unimpressed with that mask. I was like, I still think it's horrible. But yeah, um, it's like the way it like hangs out of his jacket. It's just like, guys, what are you doing? Right. So the next movie wouldn't be for a while. Um, they they decided to rest a little bit, and like I said, they had no plans. So Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, released in 1995. Uh, it is one hour and 27 minutes long. Again, another uh, quick deal. Now, I don't know what the producers cut, um, how long it is. I'm, I'm betting it's a little bit longer. Uh, this movie is so controversial. Now, this at this point, the Weinsteins are involved. Yep. <laughs> um, Halloween has been purchased by Dimension, and the Weinsteins, being the pieces of crap that they are, they love to meddle like don't don't get me wrong um bob bob shea of new line cinema he always wanted to be a director but he was never that good at it so he was notorious for interfering with directors on the nightmare on elm street films but he always managed to kind of take a step back um and let them cook and he would always like turn around and go oh yeah i knew it all along i knew that director knew what they were doing uh, the Weinsteins, on the other hand, they were not as gracious as Bob Shea when it comes to that stuff. They truly are some reprehensible pieces of shit. We all know what they've done. But uh, this movie was directed by Joe Chappelle, um, Daniel Ferrans. There were several different versions of the script. It stars Donald Pleasance, Paul Rudd. And it's it, like this is like his first movie. Yes, it is. Um, and and the, this the, the the fun fact is that Paul Rudd looks exactly the same. Pretty much. Goddamn vampire! He, he's probably one of them psychic vampires. Um, he plays the grown-up Tommy Doyle, and this movie does try to tie up all the loose ends of part four and five, but it's such a mess. And it's so, like, convoluted. And the Weinsteins got involved. So things got rewritten and rewritten there. Pardon me. Like I said, there are two versions of this movie. The theatrical cut and the producer's cut. In the producer's cut, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say this right now. Warning, trigger warning for the viewers at home. Uh, this takes place years after part five. Jamie Lloyd has been stuck deep underground in this cult of thorn uh, chambers uh, which we find out later on is in fact actually underneath uh, Smith's Grove the sanitarium that Michael likes to stay at when he's not murdering people Um, they held seances where Michael ritualistically um, R words his own niece and the baby that's throughout this whole movie in the producer's cut is Jamie's uh, child. Yeah. Um, that is not shown in the in the theatrical cut. They cut that part out. She just happens to be pregnant. Um, a nurse lets her escape. She gets loose with the baby. Michael tracks her down and kills her. But he doesn't find the baby. Paul Rudd finds the baby. And he gets an out of retirement or a retired Dr. Loomis to come help him. 
when Michael tries to terrorize uh, Haddonfield, which has banned Halloween after how many times it's gone horribly wrong. Um, so now uh, the kids of Haddonfield are kind of revolting. They're rebelling and trying to have their own Halloween celebration. It's like Footloose. Yeah. Like, well, I, I think they do lift it because there are children running around in costumes, but like the teenagers are really pushing for it. Um, they have their own Howard Stern guy there uh, wanting to see the house that Michael came from, blah, blah, blah. Which, a new family of Strodes, an offshoot of the Strodes from the first movie, have moved back into the house. And <laughs> Father, Father Strode in this movie is a horrible, horrible piece of shit. Um, and depending on which version of the movie, um, his head explodes. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's his head explodes in the theatrical cut, but not in the producer's cut. Um, Jamie lives in the producer's cut, but then the man in black blows her brains out at the hospital. Uh, Jamie gets the definitely gets the short end of the stick in this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's dark. It's really Daniel dark. Harris, see, Daniel Harris petitioned to be Jamie in this movie. She actually paid money. To get it like they said you have to divorce your parents and declare yourself independent in order to be in this movie so she went ahead and did that and they recast her anyway so really screwed up this movie is really screwed up from top to bottom um i listed this movie at number seven uh, mainly because of nostalgic purposes, because this was like when new when um, uh, when Dimension Films and Miramax were hot in the '90s. Like then, I was all about that stuff. I was like all about um, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, that whole era. And I actually, I can't believe I got away with this. Our high school video club used to do morning announcements and stuff, and I would do. Um, a, a video review and I would talk about upcoming movies they let me play the trailer for Halloween 6 <laughs> the curse of Michael Myers for our high school like I played it for school like ages 13 to 18 I let that play on TV and our principal let me do that wow I didn't play the movie but I played the trailer like I would put trailers up from like I would get like the brand new movies that came out, I would always rent them and I'd copy them or bring them in if I could buy them. And I would share with everybody in the school because I was always like, even then before the internet, I was like, oh, this movie's coming out. Oh, you didn't know about that? This movie's coming out. You didn't know that? I was that guy. Um, and so like this movie and um, The Crow, City of Angels, um, Highlander 3, all the really weird Dimension Miramax late 90 movies all have a place in, in my heart. Even though they all have like bad CG, awkward special effects, and like typically that, that Alien 3 factor where it's like the third movie or it's the last movie in a thing and it's like super dark and bad shit happens. A Alien 3 um, is way better than this, this one though. Well, yes, yes, Alien 3 is way better even though it suffers the same thing studio inter interference uh, a totally different producer's cut and all that shit um, this movie has a baffling ending for both um, in the theatrical version uh, 
you have um, Paul Rudd beats the shit out of Michael. He stabs him with like green goo. We don't even know what it is. And then he beats Michael with a bat, and the green goo comes out of his head instead of blood. Yeah. Um, Donald Pleasance at this point had died. Yep. Uh, this is his legacy. This is his last film. Poor bastard. Um, in the in the movie, he says he has to go and make sure that Michael is dead, as Paul Rudd and the new other final girl, and uh, the the baby of uh, the kids. There's there's a baby and a kid. They uh, they go off and you know travel off into the night. Loomis goes to inspect the body and of course finds the mask but not the body and then off camera you hear Loomis scream and it's probably just reused uh, vocals from uh, Halloween 4 no it's it's uh, it's actually it's it's the scream from the producer's cut where he oh, sees the oh. tattoo okay yeah yeah see in the producer's cut Paul Rudd takes out Michael by assembling stones in a circle <laughs> And that deprograms Michael Myers. See, here's here's what we didn't tell anybody. So if you haven't seen this movie at home, their whole big plot reveal is that there's a cult of Thorn, a society of people who are secretly meeting beneath Smith's Grove. And Dr. Wynn, who is the doctor from the first movie who tells Loomis, hey, um, how did that guy drive out here anyway? Um, he's played by a totally different character in this movie. Um, I do love this actor, uh, Mitchell Ryan. He's great. Um, Loved him in Liar, Charl- Liar. <laughs> if you can't get Charlton Heston, get Mitchell Ryan. Okay? Because um, <laughs> he just gives me that vibe. Um, turns out he's the head of the cult. And they have been... Um, their whole thing is to create a, 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 a an agent of chaos. Um, so when Michael was a little kid, they passed the curse of Thorn on him. And that's why he killed his sister. And that's why he went after his other sister. And that's why he keeps wanting to, he can't be stopped. And there's a kid who's staying in the Myers house. Like apparently the Myers house is a channeling presence of their evil cult. You go in there and you hear voices and occasionally the man in black will visit you and tell you to kill. Yes. Kill for me, Jamie. Yeah. If <laughs> he doesn't sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know why I just went to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> will you kill for me, Jamie? <laughs> I don't know why you haven't killed for me, Jamie. Um, but yeah, so they're trying to make a new Michael Myers in this movie. There's there's like these ideas that I'm like, that kind of... I bet when you guys were in the writer's room, you're like throwing ideas around that kind of sort of sounded cool, but... It would be fine for like a, a story for a, a movie that didn't involve Michael Myers. Like if they continue on with the anthology cool. series, I think a Thorn trilogy could work. But it's just like, like we said earlier, explain like Michael's facade takes away how scary he is. Well, and this was a thing that was in the late 90s was all the rage. And it started with Freddy's Dead, these secret origins. But what you didn't know, and I, I, I like Freddy's Dead. I like Jason Goes to Hell, warts and all. And I, I like Curse of Michael Myers, but I know it's a troubled piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I know it's bad. Um, but it's not the worst to me. It is not the worst, and I don't think it was the worst for you. Um, this essentially ended the Cult of Thorn, and um, I ranked this movie uh, as seven. Uh, so six is seven for me. 
uh, what did um, you rank it as? So originally I, I ranked it at 10, but I think I'm changing my mind. I think I'm going to put it at 11 for me. Because um, now that I'm like thinking of like the whole, the way they treated Jamie and like the uh-huh. uh, undertones of that, I was like, that's kind of gross. And it's like that. that I, th- I don't even think the cult, the cult thing is the worst part. I think the way they treated the main character from the past two movies is, is the worst part. Yeah, it also didn't help they treated the actress like shit too. Right. So, um, also, I totally forgot to say this. I do want to. I do want to mention this. I'm not going to skip over this. The music in this movie, with the electric guitar and the bullshit, like you know, the not even the electric guitar, but it was also the electric um, uh, keyboard, where it just sounds like someone was making this soundtrack at home. So like you'd hear like these riffs, like you know, like just cats caterwauling, kind of like. I yeah. can't even like reproduce it. Sorry, but I don't want to screech into the microphone. But it's also screechy, and there's all these fast cuts. It's another reason I prefer the producer's cut because it's got <clears throat> more of the classic Halloween themes rather than just yeah '90s rock and roll. Yeah, you could tell that was the wine scenes. Like, ah, this needs to be faster and edgier. So add a bunch of quick cuts <clears throat> and and flashing images and screams and and and. We'll throw a guitar like every two seconds instead of a jump scare. It'll be like a jump scare. But it's, it's like, like a, a it's like a really bad music video. It is. It is a really bad music video. So let's move on to this shit show. Uh, so our next movie um, is considered amongst a lot of people kind of a save. Like it's 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 a. They they waited a couple years again. They're like, okay, that didn't work. Um, what are we gonna do now? And they really wanted to get Jamie Lee Curtis back. Um, and they him hawed and him hawed. It was gonna be Jamie Lee and John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Um, but then John wanted money, so did Deborah. And of course, the Weinstein's were like, screw you, we don't care. Um, but they brought Steve Miner in as director. Steve Miner did um, Friday the 13th, 2 and 3. So he knows his slashers. Uh, 2 and 3. For me, 2, 3, and 4 are like, you know, pretty damn fun sequels for the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, but yeah, in 1998, they released Halloween H2O 20 years later. Um, it's rated R. It's one. It's it's really like the funny thing is in my head I remember this movie being longer. It's only an hour and twenty six minutes. It's very quick. Um, the new writer is Robert Zappia, but he, there's also a lot of passes. I don't know why he's not listed in this. Um, the creator of Scream. Um, why can't I? Not Wes Craven. No, no, no. But like the the writer. Sorry, the writer of Scream, not the creator. Uh, Dawson's Creek. Um, oh, why can't I? Is it Miles Miller? No, no, no. Um, this is bad. I feel bad. I've got to. I got to IMDb this, and I should. I should know better. Scream. The women should know better. I should know better. Um, Kevin Williamson. Kevin Williamson did a pass. And it's one of the things. Is like I liked Scream at the time. But I always felt that Halloween is not Scream. Scream is a spoof of a bunch of slashers. Right. Halloween being a major part. Yeah. What's well, funny but, is that there's a spoof of Scream. 
you know, the right. first scary movie is a spoof of Scream. Yeah, spoof so it's spoof. like they spoofed the spoof. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, still, still love the what's up gag, though, okay? Classic. Um, yeah, this movie stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Josh Hartnett as her son. Um, Adam Arkin as the doctor who uh, is the love interest of Laurie Strode, who in this movie goes by the name Catherine Tate. Um, Michelle Williams, so it's like the Dawson's Creek uh, kind of vibe here, is the girlfriend of Josh Hartnett's character. And LL Cool J, deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin, as security guard Ronnie. We also have Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jimmy, and returning character Nancy Stevens as Marion. Now, the first couple minutes of this movie that take place in Dr. Loomis's house after he's passed, or I should say not Dr. Loomis's house, uh, the nurse. So remember in the first movie, the nurse that helps uh, Dr. Loomis? Yes. Uh, she's back, and um, she uh, apparently helped Dr. Loomis like in retirement. She like took care of him. And uh, he's so so uh, this I should say before we start in the story a little bit here, the movie is a legacy sequel. This is kind of the first. Did you, kind. did you mention that this the Janet Lee is in this? Janet Lee is in this as well. Yes. Horror legacy. Janet Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. I mean, Jamie the, Lee Curtis's mother. The star of uh, Psycho. Uh, Psycho. The star of Psycho. Well. You, you know, the, the the funny thing is that technically she's the star of Psycho, but not the leading lady of Psycho. But right. She is the star. <laughs> Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Psycho. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this this is the first of what you would call a legacy sequel, which is all the rage these days now. Um, the idea of taking a, a show or a movie and maybe they've had some sequels in the past order, but like ignoring it and just kind of bringing the characters who are now like 30, 40 years older back into the fold. Uh, so this one is H2O 20 years later. I hate that name. Halloween H2O. So dumb. Halloween water, everybody. God damn it. What's the matter? Oh, I thought they were done. I came back inside. <laughs> oh, the nature of podcasting would not podcasting in a studio <laughs> uh so yeah this movie uh you know michael goes and investigate he, he decides 20 years after halloween 2 um that he wants to go after his his uh his sister and he finds out that his sister changed her name and ran away and is now in a boarding school in california along with her son and he goes to the boarding school and starts stalking the kids there. Jamie's got to stop her. Or I should say, Lori's got to stop her. A um, couple of things. One, originally in the script, this was going to be a sequel to Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. They were going to recognize that Jamie Lee Curtis's character had, had a kid. And... Uh, she let that kid to her own devices in Haddonfield, faked her own death. And there was going to be a scene where the kids talk about Michael Myers killing her daughter in classroom. And it was going to spur on, uh, you know, some PTSD and some drinking. 
That would have made her character such a piece of crap. Exactly. To to be like, oh, I abandoned that kid. I had another kid afterwards, kept him. But screw Jamie. Oh, she's dead now? That sucks. <laughs> oh, and there's a baby. I have, you know, I have a grandchild somewhere out there. He's hanging out with Ant-Man. Whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it it's such a weird take that they were going to do this soft reboot sequel idea that I'm glad they went with just the reboot sequel. I, however, do not like this Michael. Like I said, this was following the tropes of of uh, Scream. And Scream had a, you know, a wiry little teenager in a ghost face mask. He's running around really fast. This Michael, who is obviously going to be in like his 60s, uh, or I should say late 50s or whatever. He is hanging from rafters. He is thin and wiry. The mask is ugly as shit. You get to see his, half his face through the eye holes. Um, he acts like he acts like Ghostface sometimes. I'm just like, that's not Michael to me. Um, which actually uh, leads me to... Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about it later, but it spurred on my idea for a sequel. Uh <clears throat> Because I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, this is not, this is not Michael. Um, by the end of the movie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, she wanted to make sure that Michael was dead. What she didn't know is that Mustafa Akkad had, uh, he put in a clause uh, a long time ago that Michael cannot die in any of these films that people put together. He has <laughs> to live somehow. So even if you kill him, you have to be able to right away. Uh, that he can come back. So it's just so funny to me that I just imagine like Michael Myers just has a, his own contract where he's not allowed to be killed in, in his movies. He like reads the script and he gets like blown apart, like TNT, and he's like, "What the fuck is this? <coughs> what the fuck is it? I have a contract." He's like calling his 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 uh, agent. He's, like, "You get with this writer, and you tell." I don't know why he's British. <laughs> Because Mike Austin Powers, I don't know. Yeah. You get with this writer, you tell him to write another draft, or he's fucking fired. Throws the phone. <laughs> um, so, they, uh, little did, little did Jamie Lee Curtis realize that even though she filmed the scene decapitating Michael, which is a great ending, if you're going to end the series, like, that's great. That's fantastic. They filmed extra scenes where Michael crushes an ambulance driver's throat so he can't talk, switched yep. outfits, and then they pulled the mask off to reveal a different guy's head. They filmed this the day after Jamie was done with her shit. <laughs> so little did she know they were already planning a sequel. So when she found out, she was pissed and she said all right assholes i will be in your next movie but you need to basically pay me the amount of money you paid me for the last film plus more and i have to die in the first 10 minutes of the movie so <laughs> halloween or halloween of h2o i listen this is number five on my list because even though I have faults with the way Michael looks and stuff, I like the music. 
Um, I like it's a very slick looking movie. It's very highly produced. It's it's well done. Steve Miner does a great job of filming it. He's got a good eye for setting up shots and stuff. I'm not sure who the DP is, but they did a great job of lighting it and camera work. Um, talking like they hint on the PTSD of being a final girl. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis does get the fight back, and that is super satisfying. There's a scene where she is stabbing the shit out of Michael and pushes him off a balcony. Um, there's a scene uh, where you know she pulls an ash, you know, from Evil Dead or whatever. Like, like do the whole thing. Like even Loomis did the same thing. When someone walks up on Michael, do a double tap, or you're gonna get killed. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't walk up on the body of Michael Myers like, you know. I, I I'd be afraid if I decapitated him, he'd still come back. <laughs> Which he did. Which he did. Um, so I like this film, even though there's a CG mask, there's a Stan Winston mask, there's a KMB mask, there's another mask, so it all looks weird and goofy as hell. I do like the concept of the story, so that's why I ranked my I ranked it at number five for me. What did, what did you rank uh, Halloween H2O at? So I put H2O at number eight. I think like like four, five, and six, Michael isn't really intimidating. Uh, but I like I like the story, and I think Jamie Lee Curtis is, is great, along with most of the rest of the cast. It does feel like Weinstein's fingerprints is still all over it. Like it still has a lot of similarities as far as like style with like 90s style that six had. Um, but I think that despite that, uh, I think it's, it's a good legacy sequel. Um, I think Jamie Lee Curtis's second return is, is far superior, but we'll get to that later. Right. So <clears throat> moving on Halloween resurrection released in 2002, it's an hour and a half long. Three years after he last terrorized his sister, Michael Myers confronts her again before traveling to Haddonfield to deal with the cast and crew of a reality show <laughs> being broadcast from his old home. Directed by Rick Rosenthal, I can't believe. This is the man who directed Halloween 2. Yes. <laughs> came back for the second chapter of the Legacy sequel series. And, and, and again, like I said, you know, uh, Mustafa Akkad had a clause, Michael can't die. So they were planning on doing another one after this, but agreed to fucking participate in this. Like, sh- shame on you, Rick. Shame on you. I know it's a job. You probably got paid well, but whatever. And screw the Weinsteins. Um, this stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Buster Rhymes, Katie Sackoff, and Tyra Banks. I give two shits about anyone else in this movie. I gotta be honest with you. Um, this movie is freaking horrible. Um, I listed this dead last because uh, basically I said earlier that Halloween is is a great franchise because it has a little bit more a familial approach to it. It's just it just kind of hits a little bit differently than like Friday the 13th sequels or the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. I know Nightmare on Elm Street does have some legacy to it but Halloween really has legacy when it comes to like Dr. Loomis when it comes to the Strodes the Myers the whole deal there's a familial connection 
sever that connection and you don't have a lot you have a, a slasher a basic slasher which could be Dr. Giggles or See No Evil or a billion of those movies starring killer scarecrows you know what I mean <laughs> the, the familial con- connection or at least the legacy connection of characters really helps solidify this and they remove it uh, for some odd reason, you know, yes, the Myers house does have some appeal, but it's not like, it's not like the Freddy Krueger house, you know what I mean? Like that house, they, they kept the look of it, so it's like kind of famous. The, the Myers house is like, eh, it's part of it, but it's not the foundation. And to, to really write a movie around it kind of seems just a failure from the start. Not to mention, I love Buster Rhymes, okay? I, I think he's, he's hilarious in things. Oh, he's hilarious he, in this movie too. And he's hilarious in this movie too. But they literally, while filming this movie, decided to pivot around him. <laughs> he was only supposed to be a supporting character, but like he's such a joke. He's so ridiculous. So like we got to make him like the action star at the end. Um, and so, yeah, um, the new scream queen in this movie, the new final girl. Uh, I think her name is Bian- Bianca Kiljuj. Bianca Kelly. Uh, she was in the show uh, Rules of Engagement recently. Good show. All right. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poop her on that, but I am gonna poop her on this. She's a scream queen. She can't scream. Her screams were all added in post. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie Sackoff. I love Katie Sackoff and things, and she plays just your typical person to get killed. She's the party girl. Yeah, uh, she has her own YouTube channel. She has a, she did a reaction video to this movie. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. It's funny. Let me tell you, she, she trashes her own role, doesn't she? <clears throat> uh, yeah, but I mean, she's also get some insight. Um, like, there's a part where her character shows off her bra, and she wasn't willing to do that, so they used a body double instead. And now, to this day even, she still gets questions about why well, are you willing to do nudity because of that scene eh. surprised the Weinsteins didn't like force her <laughs> well it wasn't in her contract so I guess that, that that's, a, that's a thing that happens where y- you have to be it has to be in your contract whether you're willing or not willing to do nudity but they still asked her but so they couldn't force her well that must have really disappointed Harvey <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other other highlights of this is we get to see because Blair Witch was big at the time. You get to see or like other found footage movies. You get to see found footage, grainy footage of Michael killing people in this house. Uh, big Brother and Survivor were big at the time too, so that was the whole thing. Was yeah. And of course, uh, my personal favorite of uh, late '90s, early 2000s movies, fake internet stuff like. There's a guy there who's always a hacker. Um, so you have this kid who's at this Halloween party directing the final girl via text message is how to survive Michael in that house. Um, dear God in heaven, that is just so like dumb as shit. Um, if this movie feels like it was supposed to be direct to video it's because the Weinsteins originally purchased 
the Halloween franchise to do just that. Um, they did successfully, well, whether you call it a success or not, but they made money for them. They did that with the Hellraiser franchise, and they were going to do that with Halloween. That was the <laughs> goal all along. And Halloween Resurrection feels like that. Like, it feels like such a cheap piece of shit. Out of all the movies in this franchise and all the dumb decisions and things, we haven't even gotten to Rob Zombie stuff. Um, it, it just feels so shit. So bottom of the barrel. And it kills me that a guy who worked on one of my favorites made this too. Uh, just like, I guarantee it wasn't his fault. You know, uh, it's probably mostly studio infer- interference. I'm sure that he was given notes and he was threatened through contract and other stuff. And it probably just wasn't in his control. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> and what, what kills me though is like the first 10 minutes of the movie where Michael is stalking her, you know, stalking Lori in an insane asylum. If you'd have made a whole movie on that, that probably would have been badass. That would have been pretty crazy. Like, like, how? Think of it this way, and this isn't the movie I want. To, I want to pitch, by the way. This is just me spitballing right now. How crazy would it have been to be like Alien Three, where Michael is stalking people, and the institution is like, Michael Myers is dead. This is one of you assholes doing this, and Jamie has to try and convince the staff. And then they have to like fight back. Like the custodial staff get killed, and it's up to the inmates to stop Michael. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> like like Bubba Hotep, but with inmates instead of old people. How, how insane would that have been? <laughs> that would have been so phenomenal. And you could still kill Jamie in the end, but like maybe she kills him too. Like they die together. Yeah. And you have that one last guy, and he's that guy who loves the other. Like yeah, I love that character. The, the one who is obsessed with serial killers and Michael gives him the knife and everything. And Bust, Bust, Buster Rhymes could still play a character in the movie too. Oh God, yeah, he could be like a Looney Bin Jim type character or whatever. He's crazy too, you know. Yeah, that'd be great. Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> but at the end of this at the end of this shit movie, Michael's still alive. He got burned to a crisp again. <clears throat> he walked that shit off pretty good. <laughs> I hate this film. I, I, I recently rewatched it, still hate it. Still can't stand it. So from a technical writing, directing, and just overall thing, it is definitely the worst in the series. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of also the Jason X of the Halloween series <laughs> where it's so like laughably bad that it's kind of, that if you have like a group of friends, and some beer and popcorn. I think you could have fun with it. Well, I think, but the thing, the thing I will disagree with you on that is like Jason X is in on the joke. <clears throat> Halloween Resurrection thinks it's better than it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the only one that might be in on the joke is Buster Rhymes. I feel like he's kind of hamming it up on purpose. Maybe. Hard telling. Yeah. But I listed that as number 13. It is the worst in my list. What did you list yours as? <laughs> so I put it at 10 and I will defend my decision because I think it's fun to watch where it's like six, five and ends aren't nearly as fun. Uh, 
they might all, all three of those might be technically better written, better directed. The music's better, but I think that Halloween Resurrection is is a good time in the bad movie sort of way, and that's how I view movies is, is the entertainment value sometimes. Uh-huh. So that's that's why. But I would agree that it is the worst of the series. I'm not saying that it's a good movie at all. Um, I can't even really pick anything that it's that's good in it, other than maybe Jamie Lee Curtis is is good in the movie for the short time she's in it. <clears throat> right. But every I mean, everything's I, bad. I, I just there's there's just something about resurrection that like I'm just like the cringe factor is too high for me to enjoy. Whereas like Jason X, it's not really cringe because it's a comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I case in point. I watched Fast X the other day because my my son, my eldest, my eldest stepson, he loves the Fast Furious movies. They're dog shit. But by Fast X, so much ridiculous shit goes on in that that I'm just like, oh, I get it. And the director got it. It's a comedy. It's, it's not really a serious action film. It's a freaking comedy. Uh, that's kind of how I view uh, Jason X. Whereas Halloween Resurrection... I, I, I mean, I can see your point. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you're wrong. Like so bad, it's good. I'm like, it's definitely bad. It's up there. <clears throat> so I listed that as my worst. Now we get to the the first reboot. Yep, Rob Zombie's um, Halloween. So they decided to scrap everything. Uh, we're ditching the Thorn trilogy. We're ditching the the H2O. We're ditching the original. We're just going back to our roots. And Halloween in 2007, it is one hour, 49 minutes. Um, after being committed 15 years, Michael Myers, now a grown man, still very dangerous, escapes from a mental institution, immediately returns to Haddonfield to find his baby sister, Lori. This movie takes elements from one and two and kind of puts it in a blender. Plus, it's also kind of a prequel. Uh, directed right. by Rob Zombie, um, starring Scout Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode, uh, Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Sam Loomis, Tyler Maine of Sabretooth from the X-Men fame as Michael Myers. Um, I think he might have also played Leatherface for the reboots. That sounds right. Uh, and Brad Dourif, Brad Dourif as Sheriff Lee Brackett. <laughs> uh, Dag Fairch as Michael Myers, age 10. I actually met him at a convention. Nice kid. Sherry Moon Zombie as Deborah Myers. William Forsyth as her boyfriend. I love William Forsyth, but goddamn, do I hate him in this movie. Um, and I, of, of mentionable notice, uh, Danny Trio as Ismail Cruz. Uh, I when they first announced this movie and Rob Zombie was announced as a director uh, I wasn't big on House of a Thousand Corpses I did think it was kind of weird but at the same time I was like you know what he can't he can't screw up Halloween you know Halloween's classic <clears throat> plus he's gonna add some intensity to it and whatever and from the get-go if you watch old interviews with him on like the Tonight Show or whatever he has stated that he's gonna do something not only make Michael Myers scary again, but he's also going to do something different. And I think this is the one case where it's okay to do something different because it's not connected to the original series. It's a remake. I hate it when remakes do the exact same thing. I think 
showing oh, yeah. Michael's um, progression through uh, um, the mental asylum as a kid is a great idea in the eyes of a remake, not if they went back and did it for the original series. Um, so I like that a lot. Yeah, I I will look at it this way um, because originally, like before this, I, I probably before this new trilogy, I would have probably said Rob Zombie one and two are the worst movies because I have I have very like it's it's fine as a concept. I'm like okay. If someone had done a student film or a, like an indie film, a fan film that just takes place in the institution after Michael has killed people in his family and it's this, you know, Dr. Loomis trying to get through to him and his mother <clears throat> reaching her wit's end trying to see through it, like this horrible thing that happened and him just kind of being oblivious to it. Those are the scenes in this movie that are touching, uh, you know, heartbreaking and disturbing all at the same time. Um, I do not need to see that Michael Myers, the reason why Michael Myers is like this is because his family was white trash in Red Hillbillies. Uh, Rob Zombie is notorious, notorious for doing rockabilly, hillbilly, you know, crazy, like, you know, grunge, just d dirty, disgusting. Like, his art style is like, um, yeah, the old rat thing illustrations on acid. Um, I like it. I like illustr. I love his music videos. I love his, his. His. He's fun. He's got a. You know, I like his music. I listen to it all the time. But at the same time, I just feel like Halloween is not the right. Like his, the whole movie as a whole, I do not care for. Um. It's, it's it's an interesting concept. I like I said the hospital scene, great. But everything else, like when you said, um, you know, it, you hate a reboot that just does the same thing. Like to me, like Poltergeist and Pet Cemetery uh, reboots are like two of the biggest. Like I can't stand them because they're so beat for beat. Oh, have you seen the Have you seen the remake for Psycho? Yes, the remake for Psycho, another one, where it's yep. like 99% the same movie. Yep. Um, you know, people like people made it. Gus Van Sant will argue that it's not a scene for scene, but it's like, yeah, it's damn pretty close. Um, it wouldn't have the reputation it has if it was really different, you know? And Poltergeist is the same damn thing. It's literally the same freaking movie. They just changed the names of some characters. Yeah. Uh, and it's so boring. I can't stand it. Um, but yeah, this movie doesn't suffer from that. I will honestly say it doesn't suffer from that. What it does suffer from is Rob Zombie's incredibly cynical view of everything. It is a very um, dark and dirty movie. Yes. Everyone in Haddonfield sucks. Uh, Lori is not an appealing character at all. She's kind of a little bratty little bitch. Um... Her, her mom and dad are okay, but they're barely in it. Uh, Dr. Loomis is a self-serving prick. And by the second movie, he's a real self-serving prick. Um, the, the, the main person you even feel sorry for 
is Cherry Moon Zombie's character. And my God, my fiance bought another damn desk thing. What the hell is being thrown on my freaking uh, porch? Ugh, crying out loud. <laughs> uh, I guess I gotta lug that in after the uh, <laughs> after the podcast. Uh, I hear you. I'm not getting it right now. I'm recording. <laughs> <clears throat> Thanks, though. Um, I think actually, Brad. I, I think Brad Dorf is pretty good as yeah. the sheriff as well. Yeah, you, you beat me to the punch, Brad Dorf as a very caring father figure and that really amplifies in the second movie uh, as Sheriff Lee Brackett uh, he shines so Sherry Moon Zombie and Brad Dourif they shine Malcolm McDowell I wish like he's good but he's a prick yeah I I think that he's it's well acted and I think in the earlier scenes when he uh, is like helping Michael as a child it's it's that relationship is really built on um right. and like in this later on in this one and especially in halloween too he kind of i think rob zombie i've uh, i've watched the commentary of both these films but his inspiration for the, the later loomis was to make him more like a phony dr phil or just dr phil right. um which is a good idea because i mean it's completely different from the pleasance character and, and again i'll say if you're gonna do a remake do it differently yeah um, which of course when you do remakes differently you, you piss off a good portion of the fans who cares like at this point it's like damned if you do damned if you don't right if he made it an exact replica of Halloween they would have chastised him for that too and I think one is clear one option is clearly better than the other yeah I mean the problem I have with, like this movie is like I said it's incredibly cynical the, the movie after this even more so um but the other shining light, and I completely forgot to mention, or I should I did mention his character. Danny Trejo as the orderly that actually is nice to Mikey, as he calls him. Um, I wish we had more of that. And I know there's like a director's cut that has more of all the, you know, the orderlies dealing with Michael and stuff. Um, I hate that like Michael kills that character because I just the idea of Danny Trio being like the nice grandpa the caretaker the nice guy because he plays such a crazy psychopath in, in so many movies prior to this right like such a badass you know um, that it's just nice to see Danny Trio be a nice guy and he's like I was nice to you Mikey you know and and Michael just kills him it's just like damn it like I get your tr- I get what he's trying to say Michael's a monster. He's a shark. He doesn't play favorites. But I did want that guy to survive. Like, I wanted him to survive. He was the one goddamn person who actually treated Michael like a human. Even Dr. Loomis gave up on him. And you know what? There could have been a way to make his death work. Like, maybe Michael was killing somebody else, and Treo tries to stop him, and Michael pushes him away, and he, like, falls on something sharp and dies, and that's that would be symbolic for the last of Michael's humanity dying with him I right. think they could have done it that way where it yeah, could have been an accident whether instead of being on purpose yeah and, and like I said this movie is filled with people just being miserable every every one of Rob Zombie's films like I just want to tell Rob I'm like look we get it everybody's shit everybody's mean everybody deserves what's coming to them because that's how you feel in your brain apparently <laughs> um 
like we said, you know, there's a couple characters that are redeeming, but like Lori herself, I give two shits if she lives. Daniel Harris is in this movie too. Daniel Harris, that's that's the other thing, is like I am like that's the one thing. So the Weinsteins and the you know producers, directors of Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers, they made Daniel jump through all those hoops. So she could come back. And and she could have played a teenage Jamie with a baby. She could have done it at the time. She was she was getting old enough. Um they said screw her. Rob got her in this movie and got her to play uh one of the, you know got her to play Annie, my favorite from the first one. Uh Michael tortures her and treats her like shit. But she survives. And that just kind of makes me hate the next one more because of what happens next. Yeah. Um, you know, so Halloween, uh, Halloween by Rob Zombie. I gave it, uh, where did I put it at? I put it at number eight. It's not down at the bottom, bottom, but it has, you know, moved past the middle. We're, we're getting into bad because it's just, it's a mean-spirited movie, and honestly, when I went to the movie theaters to see it, I actually fell asleep at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, didn't care for it. Where'd you put it at? I put it at seven uh, for me. Okay, so we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Uh, here comes Halloween 2. Uh, 2009, one hour, 45 minutes family is forever. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing? Uh, Lori struggles to come to terms with her brother Michael's deadly return to Haddonfield, Illinois. Meanwhile, Michael prepares for another reunion with his sister. Written and directed by Rob Zombie. Uh, starring Tyler Maine, Scott Taylor Thomas, Malcolm McDowell, and Brad Dourif. And um, Daniel Harris. This piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So... Originally, you know, the first movie that he did was kind of a take on the first Halloween. The trailer for this movie showed Laurie in a hospital. I was like, oh, okay, so he's doing Halloween 2. Halloween 2 has a reputation for being bloodier, a little bit more mean-spirited, but it's still not nearly as bad as some things could be. This fucking movie. (laughs) Number one, the hospital scene is a dream sequence. Number two, he stabs the lady from uh, Mia. I can't remember her damn name. I I love that actress. She's in a bunch of different films. Uh, uh, Octavia Spencer. He stabs her like four bajillion times. Yes, I know. In true crime, in true crimes, people do get stabbed multiple times. It's it's gross. It's horrible, especially crimes of passion. I don't need to see it on camera. It is belig- it's it's just it's just beating you over the head. Like, well, he's a killer. Yep, he's still killing her. Oh, she's really dead now. Oh, he's still stabbing. How long has this been? Five minutes? Jesus Christ, can you stop already? And it's this is a dream sequence. It's not even real. The other thing. The pale horse uh knights in white satin shit. Never explained. Um, Michael sees his mom as a ghostly apparition with a pale horse with the version of him as a boy now they had to recast um, young Michael 
because right. he grew up. <laughs> he couldn't be young Michael again. But they never explained this. Um, Dr. Loomis, more cynical than ever. Like, he's a real prick this time. Like, a real, real prick. Well, I mean, I think that it's interesting because you see uh, people get famous off of serial killers all the time in the real world. So I think that that's really compelling. I get it. Again, I think, like, you know, when you talked about ideas of the Thorn trilogy, like, would have been great if they weren't Halloween, weren't Michael Myers. I feel the same way about Rob Zombie's ideas. Like, I'm just like... That would have been great if it was anything else. But I, I like my Loomis character have some sort of archetype and be like kind of a semi-decent guy. He does kind of have a an arc at the end. Yeah, of. at the very end. Uh, and not a great one either, but it's fine. Um, Lori is PTS out the wazoo to the point he may, she may or may not be killing people as Michael. Like, they, there are so many hints that she might actually be doing the killing that Michael has been dead for this whole time. Like, there's a scene where Michael's in an ambulance and the ambulance hits a cow. Why? Because Rob wanted to direct an ambulance hitting a cow and there's a fucking cow carcass there and it looks gross. And then his friend can shout the F-bomb. Uh, the, the one guy who ends up in all of, yeah, Richard Brake. Uh, playing the ambulance driver who's in a bunch of different Rob Zombie films and he's he's in Doom. I remember him being the pervert in Doom. Um, s- saying the F word, and I know I just dropped it myself, but saying it like 30 times in a row. It, it, was, it was like Rob wanted to just double down, triple down, quadruple down on everything he filmed in the last movie. He's like, well, people thought that was gratuitous last time. Wait till I stab Octavia Davis like 400 times. Um, Octavia Spencer, sorry, 400 times on camera. That'll be great. Um, this movie is even meaner than the first movie, which I don't know how the hell he pulled that off, especially with the white trash family in the beginning of the first of that Rob Zombie's Halloween, but it's worse. Um, poor Sheriff Brackett. Um, they, uh, they unfortunately, Michael's. Uh, Michael attacks uh, Daniel Harris's character Annie again, and he finishes her off this time. Which is like, you, you know, we've said about Alien Three. If a person survives the ordeal of the last one, I know you want to kill them off in the sequel, but don't do it. Just, just let them live, please. Let them earn their, let them keep their reward, because it just feels, it feels cheap to just kill them off, especially danielle harris's character the fact that she played jamie and jamie was treated so rottenly by halloween six you know yeah and i mean brad dorf acted his ass off in the scene where he finds his daughter and oh my god yeah. i mean it's heart it's heartbreaking because it's i mean he's so good and then i mean I'll, I'll say this about rob zombie like putting like uh footage of harris as like a little uh, as a younger child uh, it's just like wow yeah uh, and again, these ideas might be great for some other film, but as a have, Halloween movie... Have you like seen the director's years. cut? I haven't watched it in a long time. I barely remember it. The director's cut is much better than the theatrical. I think if we're talking purely the theatrical, you and I are pretty much on the same page. But the director's cut, is a, it's it explores its themes a lot better. Uh, unfortunately, once again, studio interference with like where they're like, we got to cut this thing down and make it shorter for, for the 
theatrical experience. Right. Because they want to get more asses in seats. Um, and they're all they, like, what the fuck is up with this horse thing? It's like... Uh, <laughs> so they they cut more scenes from that in the theatrical version. And it's, be, it's better portrayed and explained in the director's cut. All right. Well, well, just go ahead and explain it for me if you can remember it. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's tied very heavily to Michael's psyche. And again, we're talking about Rob Zombie's Michael Myers, not the original Michael Myers. Um, so it's portraying, I guess, Michael's lost innocence, which is heavily tied to his mother. Um, and it's also tied to his sister, Lori. Um, and I mean, as you hinted at the very last scene in the movie, uh, is Lori with Michael's mask on and she gets gunned down. Um, but I mean, you're right. It is a very dark movie. I think it is a lot about what like these real life serial killers can do to families and even towns where, uh, it just, it just leaves a stain. But yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's. It's not a great Halloween movie, but I think that it's a very good dark horror movie. And I think I know that Zombie was told we're going to do this movie with or without you. And he's like, well, I don't want them to do stuff with my characters that I wouldn't want done. So I might as well just do it myself. And he ended it the way he wanted to, whether people like it or not. Well, I don't like I like the horse for Ren and Snippy. No, sir. Uh, don't but, like I mean, if somebody else had come in and made the sequel, it, I think it would have felt completely different from the first, and it would have just been an awkward thing, you know? It, it, well, and you know what's funny is they were planning on doing a third movie, and it was going to be 3D, and it was going to have um, the writer, uh, Todd Farmer from Jason X, uh, wrote a script for it. Uh, I follow Todd on uh, uh, Twitter and everything. So I do like his work. And he also did Drive Angry. I think he's a fun guy. Uh, he's the dude who Jason decapitates in the uh, VR room. I will say this. I think if um, if, you, if any, anybody that's listening is interested in film, um, I think that if you have either of Rob Zombie's Halloween movies on Blu-ray, watch them with commentary. Because even if you hate the films, his uh, commentaries on the making of his movies are super interesting because I think that he... Um, I mean, I don't always love his style, but I think he's, he's like, uh, he's, I think he's very knowledgeable about the, about how movies are made and his process is interesting to say the, to say the least. I, so I, I admire his passion more than I admire some of his movies, I guess is what I'm trying to here's say. What I, like out of all of his movies, like one, I don't really care for any of the story direction for any of his movies. Like I said, he's very mean-spirited uh, about all his characters and everything. Like, I think the one that I find the most disgusting, because uh, I'll, I'll forgive him House of a Thousand Corpses because he had a shit ton of studio interference with that one. Uh, it's all over the place, that one. Plus, it's his first movie. Uh, I feel like 31 is the one that I hate the most out of for like the misery parade that it is but um and i find el super Bisto the the funniest because it's kind of like el super Bisto is kind of like him doing his old like white zombie rob zombie artwork 
and making a movie out of it and just kind of being crazy with it. Uh, plus, also, you can see how he feels about the Halloween movies. In the middle of the movie, there is a Michael Myers. His Michael Myers is trying to cross the street and he gets, run, he gets hit by a car. Um, and they just kind of crack a joke about it and move on. So it's like, you can kind of tell. He's like, I have washed my hands of this fucking franchise. Uh, fuck you, Weinsteins. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he had to keep work, you know, working with them for the most part there for a while. Um, I think I, I think the worst film, technical-wise, is Three from Hell. Um, just mainly because it, like, shifts focus between a found footage-style documentary film and then an actual narrative. Like, it really... It's very all over the place. I can't. I can't get into that movie at all. Have you seen Lords of Salem? Uh, I have seen Lords of Salem. I didn't care for it that much, but I did like it better than Thirty One. I think The Devil's Rejects is actually his best film, <laughs> from a like natural born killers kind of aspect. Um, for some odd reason, I I, I just dig The Devil's Rejects. And, and did you ever watch his version of the monsters? I tried. I tried watching the first ten minutes. I found it incredibly unfunny. What's What's weird though is like it's it's so like the original series. Like it's not. It doesn't feel like a Rob Zombie movie at all in like spirit because there's no like meanness or gore. I think it's even rated PG. So I mean, uh, it's very strange. I, I couldn't sit through it mainly. Like I, I looked at it objectively. I didn't like look at oh this is Rob Zombie's gonna suck. I'm like, no, I'm gonna see it. I watched like the first ten minutes of it and I'm like, I'm not laughing at any of this shit. Like it feels like a ton of really bad dad jokes. And I know what you're saying, because yes, if you go back and watch the old monster, you go back and watch the old Adams family, it's very punny. It's very but I'm like, you know, you're making monsters for a new generation. You need to be a little bit more clever about it. What's funny though is like I still watch the Adams Family sitcom, and I don't know if it's just nostalgia or I'm just there's something in my brain that's like, oh, this is as an older TV show, but I still find it very funny and easy to watch. I I, I will chalk up like and that's the thing is like I think the Adams Family was a better TV show than the Munsters, anyways. That's just me. So I also think about it that way too, but um. So that movie, I can't remember whether it was a success or not. I don't think it was. I mean, I freaking hated it at the time. Um, they took some time off. Again, well, actually, where did I put? So Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I put at number 12. It is number 12. Where did you put yours at? I put the director's cut of Halloween 2 at number 4. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, it's yeah to me it's just too bizarre that's why I pushed it so back it's bizarre and it's miserable it's just it's just a real mean spirited film and I just I don't know um, I walked out of that theater going what the fuck did I just watch <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Halloween 2018, one hour, 46 minutes. Directed by David Gordon Green. Written by Jeff Fraley uh, with notes by John Carpenter. Uh, produced by um, 
uh, eastbound and down guy. Um, oh, righteous gemstones. Why, why am I dropping the ball? Uh, Danny Boyle. No, Danny. No, not Danny Boyle. Um, I'm going to turn in my film nerd card. Danny McBride. Danny McBride helped produce this, which is crazy. I'm like, Danny McBride did this? Wow. I mean, Jordan Peele is doing horror movies, so why not? Right. Right. So uh, this is the second legacy sequel um, yep. franchise. We decided to ignore two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, and the Rob Zombies, and we're doing a direct sequel to the first movie, but like 40 years later, instead of 20 years later, uh, Jamie is a bigger recluse than ever. She has a daughter named Karen, which is very fitting. Judy Greer. Judy Greer plays a great, let me speak to your manager, Karen. <laughs> like, that makes me feel like this bitch has gone to a McDonald's drive-thru and then went, pulled around, came back and threw a burger at someone's face. Like, I just, I can't stand her in these films. Uh, Andy Matichak as uh, Laurie Strode's granddaughter, Allison. Uh, James Jude Courtney as The Shape. Nick Castle also as The Shape. He got to come back. He got to play The Shape in the beginning, so. Uh, Luke Berlinger as Dr. Sartain, our new Loomis. And Will Paxton as Officer Hawkins. We also, of course, have your typical garden variety bunch of teenagers get murdered. <laughs> Plus, uh, neighbors. Um, I love this film. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's like kind of like coming back home. Kind of be like, it's, it's, it's definitely the Force Awakens of slashers. Um, <laughs> I just hate that they didn't give it like a subtitle. Like I hate that it's just called Halloween. Like really, we couldn't call it Halloween Returns. Could have said Halloween H four O. No. H four O Halloween. Forty years later. Um, it, it the the title alone being confusing. We hate that. It's like you know Rocky and Rambo's and stuff. They always kind of do this thing with their legacy sequels. Michael, after all these years, still he still got it. He's still a brutal prick. Um, I will say this. This would have been a great send-off. It suffers from the same fate as H2O. Um, oh, you know what else I wanted to bitch about? Halloween 2 with Rob Zombie? They don't even play the Halloween score in that movie. Not until the ending credits. Yeah, it is such a disappointment. Oh, and Michael speaks. Uh, Michael... You can see his face. Like, they just, they break so many of the cardinal rules. And I'm like, dude, seriously? I know Rob wanted to do something different, but damn, dude, just do a different film at this point. Just say, sue me. I would have just been like, Weinstein, sue me. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, but he went ahead and did it. So, but whatever. Um, yeah, I hate Karen in this movie. I, I love Lori in this movie. She's a gun nuts, prep nut. Um, Will Patton. Will Patton plays. It's so funny because he's played pricks in other movies. Like he was the conciliary in The Punisher. Um, but I still liked him. I don't know. There was something about him. Like I think there was something about this guy. He's. He, I think he was in The Rock. Or he's. He's. He's in those like Ruckheimer films too. Um, he just plays usually a pretty decent guy. Um, and also, uh, I believe it was Ray the 
the uh, son-in-law of Laurie. He's kind of funny in this movie too, uh, but he he dies horribly. Guy, poor bastard. Um, so do those cops. Damn, one got made into a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, but what's cool about this movie is, you know, Lori's this gun nut, and they're like, you know, his, her daughter is, you know, picking on her, saying, you know, you're a freak, you're a weirdo, this is how, like, they do, like, they kind of do the T2 thing. Yeah, where, she's like a doomsday prepper. Yeah, she she's definitely uh, doing the Sarah Connor thing. Only John Connor, like, spent his entire adult life not believing her. Um but of course, I will say one kind of 360 at the very end is Karen's like, never mind. I've been with my mom all along and I know how to use a gun and everything. And she turns the tables on Michael. I'm like, okay, we didn't have to like put on airs, but <laughs> you didn't have to pretend to not understand what your mom was saying. Michael was coming for you guys no matter what. Um, but one of the things that they set up in this movie is they say, fuck Halloween 2 and Thorn Trilogy. Um, Michael is not related to Lori. Lori is Lori. Um, the only reason why the shape comes after her as her granddaughter is that Dr. Sartain kind of puts it in his head. Um, I think that's kind of a weak excuse because it's like, well, I I don't really buy that. I don't. It just it seems just way too coincidental at this point. But yeah, well, I think that it, it's he's. And they kind of hit these the apprentice of Loomis and that Loomis is this obsession with Michael got passed on to him. And this guy was like, I need to figure out why Michael is the way he is. And the only connection he has is, is Laurie. So it's like, maybe if I put them on this collision path, I'll learn something. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I still miss the, the familial connection. I really do. I know Carpenter didn't like the idea, so they were trying to honor him, but... I guess when you deal with canon that's been around for 40 years, it's kind of hard to just let it go. Yeah, I almost kind of at this at wish that they would have kept Halloween 2 and that like maybe Michael had burned up in the fire and nobody found the body. And uh-huh. that's why she's been prepping for so long because he's just been, the body's been gone. I think right. that would have been a good setup. Not that this movie isn't good. I do like this movie. It is a good movie. We do get to see Michael for a brief glimpse um, and he's scary looking. He's a scary looking old man. Yeah, but they never directly show his face. Yeah, you see little bits of you see like the scarring from the hook to the eye from the first movie. Um, but he, he's he's still very intimidating. But at least for this um, movie, they bring back the facade. Like they don't know why he does what he does, why he is the way he yeah. is. Yeah, the mystery is there again, and I like that. Um, and, and and thank God the mask the mask is back to looking good again yeah they that is one thing you got to say about these next three films is the look of michael nailed it perfect rob zombie's first movie not bad i don't mind it yeah yeah the mask is definitely better than the the previous movies yeah second movie rob zombie's halloween he looks like homeless saber tooth so i'm like whatever uh but yeah these movies these three they really nail it um and yes i know a, um, a a rubber mask from 1978 is not going to exist in 2018. It's going to crumble to dust. Uh, that's how late. That's the nature of latex. Um, but it's a movie, so anybody out there who's bitching about that, let that shit go. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, at the end of the movie, he's stuck in her house. Turns out it's a trap. He's set on fire, and the girls, all three girls, get away. Um, and it, and the music builds, and then it cuts to Halloween, and and just yeah, my God, the music in this movie so freaking good. I actually play the soundtrack quite often. It and kills I play quite often. Me too. Um, especially now, like if I go for a walk, I'll put on Halloween with the fall leaves and the cornfields and shit. It's great. Uh, but if you listened to the end credits, you hear breathing. That's a sign. You didn't die in the fire. What a surprise. Where do you put Halloween 2018? I put it at number three. It's five for me. Um, five. The final act is really strong. I think Jamie Lee Curtis, this is one of her best performances. Um, just not even just in the Halloween franchise, I just think ever. Like, I think she, it, it's not like, she, it doesn't feel like she just showed up for a paycheck. It feels like this movie she wanted to make with H2O with Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. But I mean, obviously Deborah Hill's no longer around, but at least yeah. her and Carpenter got to come back. And it seems like they, this was the movie that they kind of always wanted to make as a sequel. Um, and uh, I think it works in a lot of ways. Some of the humor doesn't really work, but that's just. That's I'm, Danny McBride, I think. He, and and I mean, um, David Gord Green did the Hangover trilogy, so I think he's also tied to comedy. Um, and some of the teenagers, even like Lori's granddaughter, uh, isn't that great? Like they're they're either just okay to kind of cringy, but that's not anything new for the Halloween franchise. I mean, I think she's more appealing than say Lori from the Rob Zombie trilogy. Like, or I agree. Trilogy, the two films. I agree with that. Um, um, she's not as grating as that one. Yeah, the sheriff. The sheriff character is good. I I don't like particularly care for the new doctor the new loomis as as he's literally called in the movie um i think it, the the thing where he like puts on michael's mask is really strange and going on into the territory of oh, oh we're trying to explain that maybe michael's powers comes to, from the mask like no don't do that it's like well, it, stop I, that i think i think you're taking that too literally i think um that's more of a him just trying to channel like oh look at me i'm as strong as the boogeyman kind of vibe you know like it's his own mental, like you said, his obsession. Um, he, he's definitely, you know, uh, he, he definitely would love, and that's why that your idea of like, he really set Michael loose to perform an experiment basically uh, makes so much sense. It's like, man, he just really, just wants to see what it's like to kill. Um, I kind of like him as evil Loomis. I kind of like him as like, oh, we take Dr. Loomis, but we twist it. Yeah, what, yeah I, I like that idea because you don't see it coming because Loomis is, um, I mean, they play with that character a little bit in the Rob Zombie movies, but they, he's, he doesn't like become an irredeemable character. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can see your point too. There, there are bits and pieces. The humor can be off kilter. Uh, Dr. Sertain is no Dr. Loomis. And um, typical teenagers acting typical, getting typically killed, but um, one of the things about this movie is that her, the, the main, the main girl, Allison, her boyfriend does not get murdered in this movie. He lives and that, uh, takes it 
to the next movie, Halloween Kills, released in 2021. One hour, 45 minutes. David Gordon Green uh, back again. This time, writers are Scott Teams, Deborah Hill, and John Carpenter. Um, does take place in the town of Haddonfield as well as at a hospital. Immediately um, after, too. Like, I mean, it, it pulled a Halloween, too, where it takes place yeah. almost immediately after. So one of the things, and we'll, we'll talk more about it by the next movie, is that David Gordon Green, his idea of this trilogy is spiritual successors. So like the first one is a spiritual successor. The first movie, Halloween Kills is a spiritual successor to Halloween 2. Um, and remember what I said earlier, uh, Halloween 2 is criticized for being darker, more violent. Yeah. Boy, they up the ante in this, in this movie. Um... Michael survives the fire and firefighters come to the rescue of the house and in the tra- when the trailer came out for this because they were very mysterious about the trailer for this one and Halloween ends they kept pushing the shit back and making driving fans insane um, you see Michael come out of the house with a pickaxe like you can tell he's killed a firefighter he's got one of the ex- excavation tools in the movie they literally, all the firefighters like, it's on. Time to go into a brawl. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not, what? No. I'm sorry. I get that firefighters are like fraternal or brotherhood. Oh my God, I can't believe you. You must have killed our friend because we can't hear from him. You're coming out with this tool. What the fuck is this? I would not immediately come at him with like a Jaws of Life, a giant bandsaw or whatever. I'd be like, oh, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I guess this was controversial too, because like, oh, Michael killed firefighters. How could they do that? And I was like, it's That's Michael the, Myers. <laughs> it's just like that. That is one thing I will defend this movie and say some people are so damn stupid. Like, okay, so this this reminds me a little little side tangent. I was flipping through TikTok today, and there was a girl. I decided to follow her because she's. I'm getting all this shit from commenters because of they, they were like essay victims and dv victims uh, people who've been abused or whatever and they're like this isn't funny this isn't funny i can't believe you did this girl did a tiktok video where it looked like she'd been taken hostage by tiktok like a a a uh, flashlight is shined in her face and she has a black eye and she has a busted lip and it looks like she's tied behind a chair and she's like so tiktok is making i mean i have signed on to TikTok shop and you can buy my stuff like blueberry pancake candles and all sorts of things. And she's looking like nervous. So it's a joke, right? It's a joke. It's a gag. It's a goof. If a guy did this, no one would say shit. I guarantee you. Um, because the, the whole pretense is that she's been taken over by a big bad company. You know what I mean? Not that she is in a bad relationship with an abusive husband, and she got swarmed with people who were like, I can't believe you're making light of DV. I can't believe you're making light of SA. And it's like, did we watch the same video? What's going on here? <laughs> Michael Myers has killed an entire police precinct in other movies. He's not a good guy. Yeah, I think the only time I've ever seen him show mercy is when he decided not to kill the baby in Halloween 2018. And it's probably because, not because he thought it was wrong, but because it wasn't good sport. Wasn't a challenge, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't good sport. Um, So, 
I mean, what did they want? Did they want him to look outside and there's firefighters there and he looks up and on a billboard, there's the towers and a flag and he salutes it. <laughs> there's like a tower and a flag and a fire truck. And he's like, I remember. And then he walks away. Is that what they wanted? I, that's I don't know. I mean, I criticize it because it becomes a WWE video suddenly. Um, you know, it's a, this Sunday, it's a death match. That's the vibe I get from this scene. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, and, and but but I will say what is kind of clever is the story beats of following other people around the town of Haddonfield. Yes, people people that were background characters in the first movie suddenly have roles. Um, the nurse and the doctor meet up with survivors from the pre, you know from the first movie. A lot of actors from the original film come back. Right now, I will say the Halloween talent show where they all hang out, horrible, horrible. And um, I, I will say that, um, what's, uh, uh, where is, uh, where's his name? Where's his name? Freaking Anthony Michael Hall as the new Tommy Doyle. So annoying. Like he goes up and he like does like some like jazz beat poem about, Michael Myers, and people are like, yeah, oh, yeah, salute. I'm like, really? That was horrible. <laughs> They're drunk. They don't care. I guess. I guess. Uh, Haddonfield has a low talent pool. Um, but I like yeah. the idea of it. Feel, when I watched this, I was like, this feels a lot like Bride of the Frankenstein, where there's the angry mob with the with the town, and it takes the good ideas from Halloween Four, and I think does it even better. I think it's better and it's worse at the same time because he has a chant. Um, what was the chant? I, I can't believe I forgot this. Um, Halloween kills chant. I have, I have stricken it from my brain. It's so bad. Uh, Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. So stupid. So stupid. Nobody talks like this. <laughs> I, unless they're in a 1930s horror film. It, like I said, it does feel very much right. like Bri but Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but we're not. I know. It is 20... Well, 2018, technically. <laughs> I think they're also... <sighs> And I could be wrong. They could also be trying to emulate um, other current groups that that do stuff like this with pitchforks and and whatever. But I get it, like like the tiki torches and the proud boy bullshit. Yeah. Yes. Um. But yeah, but it's horrible. It's just absolutely horrible. Um. There's a horrible scene where everybody's going after a mental patient poor guy and he gets thrown or he jumps from a hospital window like karen for once tries to do something nice like right. she's back to being an, an uber karen bitch in this movie too it's so annoying yeah um, i mean it shows the effects that michael has on the town where they're everybody's paranoid and turning on each other and kill an innocent man i mean not directly but um yeah but it, it is like incredibly graphic. They show the body afterwards. 
Uh, and it's one thing I will say, it's like, you know, in movies when people throw themselves their death or whatever, and they show the body, you usually just see a blood puddle behind their head and that's about it. Maybe a little drip from the mouth or the nose. This shows everything. And I was sitting there in the theater and I was like, damn. And I believe Ruth, who does not care for that much extra gore, was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, like I said, David Gordon Green wanted a spiritual successor, Halloween 2. Halloween 2, notorious for extra gore. So, Yeah, I think this one is a, a spiritual successor to both 2 and 4 for me. Yeah. Um, the uh, mob fight at the end was very satisfying. Um, Allison's uh, Allison's boyfriend gets brutally murdered. Like he is. You fuck that I, cheating I feel, bitch. <laughs> I I mean I didn't like him. He's an asshole and everything. But I almost felt some pity there at the end. I was like, damn, dude. Um, just just put. It's like that Simpsons meme. Where they're like, stop beating him. He's already dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's just like, dude, he's he's done. Um, but Karen leads Michael away from Allison. Like, he was going to kill her. Leads her in a mob. And it's a really satisfying thing. And my favorite meme about this is that one of the Haddonfield townies, they they all bring weapons or whatever they have at their disposal. One of the Haddonfield townies brings a, 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 a an iron, you know, for ironing your clothes. <laughs> she actually got her own Facebook page. It was I, I belong to it. I don't know if I still belong to it, but it was like that one lady from Halloween kills with the iron page. <laughs> so they beat the crap out of them, and it's really satisfying. And here's but here's where like like the movie goes off the rails again. Um, Michael pulls a Neo after being shot and stabbed and beat and all this stuff, and he gets up, kung fu's the shit out of people, starts slicing and dicing. Um, it all falls apart horribly. Okay, <laughs> yawning on camera. Um. And he uh, uh, kills everybody, including Anthony Michael Hall, with his with his trusty baseball bat that he picked up from the bar. Um, while Lori is in the hospital recovering next to her on again, off again, sheriff boyfriend, um, waxing philosophical about what Michael Myers is. Um, for some weird reason, Karen walks into the old Myers house goes into um, uh, Judith Meyer's room, looks out the window over. There was this big theme that Michael, uh, when he was caught back in the early days, uh, or when he was hanging out when he was younger, he'd always stare out over the town for some odd reason. It was this big spooky thing. Well, yeah, uh, we didn't talk there. about the opening sequence, the flashback sequence. I totally forgot about that. I, I would consider that a highlight um, of the movie. I mean, the guy they got to play Loomis, I legitimately thought they, like, use a deleted scene from the original because it looks, he looks and sounds so much like Donald Pleasance. I think there is some, I think there is some digital trickery to help, but yeah, they cast really well for Loomis. Um, and they, they explained who Officer Hawkins was because he's not a character from the original movie. Right. And I like um, the idea that 
I mean, they, they lied about Michael killing that other officer as the other officer that, that killed him by accident, obviously. Uh, right. But. Uh, so, yeah, it's that is a highlight of the film. You get to see some footage to take you back to that time period. And it does kind of have relevancy even at the end when, like I said, Karen is overlooking the town and the carnage and chaos. And you see Michael walk up to her and the and the theme goes down to a really slow piano crawl version of it. And Michael brutally kills Karen uh, while Lori while uh, talks about the shape. And that's it. That's the end of that movie. Now, I left the movie thinking it was pretty good. Uh, my fiance talked me out of it by the drive home. By the drive home, she was like, that movie was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she had points, and I'm not going to like reiterate all the points, but she was just like, what about this? What about this? And I went down, I'm like, God damn, it is pretty bad, isn't it? It's not nearly as good as the last one. Um, so yeah, I, I put Halloween Kills at number 10. On my uh, list of shitty films, what did you put it at? I put it at three. You had it at three. You really like this one. Yep, I like the set. I mean, the soundtrack is great. Um, yeah, I I do love the soundtrack. I won't. I won't. Uh, um, Unkillable is a great track. Really heavy beats. Uh, gets you going. Yep. So uh, I can actually hear it in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay. You like the music. You like the flashback. You like filling in that gap there, um, which is I, which is I nice. Really the, I really like the themes with with the townspeople going nuts and it being basically a witch hunt. Yeah. Um. Uh, I think some of the supporting characters are better. Tommy Doyle's fine, but uh, um, I think some of the legacy cast they bring back, namely Sheriff Brackett, is also good. Um, I don't know. I just, I just like the idea of of the paranoia that Michael brings. Uh, it's not like a literal infection. It's a, it's a um, figurative. Yeah. And then we jump to Halloween ends, twenty twenty two, one hour fifty one minutes. Um, the saga of Michael and Laura Strode comes to a spine chilling climax. Does it? Does it? No. Is it really spine chilling? <laughs> it doesn't. And in, in the final installment of this trilogy, is it really final? Is it final? You got put through a wood chipper. I don't know. No, but is it final for Halloween altogether? Eh, no, no. I'm sure they'll do another one. There's no way uh, they will. Director David Gordon Green again. Writers uh, John Carpenter with nods to Deborah Hill and Paul Brad Logan. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matchek as Allison. Again, James Co Jude Courtney as The Shape. He played him in all three movies. And Rohan Campbell as our favorite guy, Corey. Everybody loves Corey. Corey Cunningham. Such a great guy. Fuck him. <laughs> and Will Patton as Frank, the sheriff slash love interest of Lori. So this movie... Uh, one of the things that should warn you when you're watching the opening credits of this movie, it's the same text crawl as Halloween three season of the witch. It's got the same font, uh, same color scheme. And that is, uh, that's a hint. 
uh, because Halloween 3 did not have really anything to do with Michael Myers. Halloween ends. Don't give a shit about Michael Myers. Which is weird. <laughs> because at the end of Halloween Kills, they gave a lot of shits about Michael Myers. Yes. And all of the promotional stuff for this shows Michael. Not Corey. Fucking Michael. Because they know that's what that people want to see. But at the same time, it's like, why are we introducing this new character? Maybe if Corey had been in the other two movies and had been built up. Right. So like you're you're introduced to this guy babysitting a little shithead on Halloween night and you're set up to think, oh, man, Michael must have visited this house while he was terrorizing everybody. Nope. There was uh, an accident and Corey accidentally kills this kid. And fast forward a couple years later, Haddonfield is just full of it. I'm wondering if David Gordon Green decided to tribute a little bit of Rob Zombie in this one. Because 90% of the people in Haddonfield are assholes by the time Halloween ends. Like, they truly are dickheads. And Jamie writes about She writes about, or I should say, Lori writes about it, um, that Haddonfield's been poisoned by Michael. Um, that it's affected all the townspeople. Uh, Corey is bullied by band kids and i'll tell you right now like i did a i did a roy's rants about this film it's one of the first roy's rants i ever did um in the podcast and as a former band parent i'm gonna tell you right now haddonfield's band parents especially the band uniform moms and dads they need to hang their head in disgrace or kick the shit out of these kids because ain't no way in hell i'm letting any of my band kids run around town haddonfield Bullying children, getting into fights, knocking chocolate milk all over their uniform. You know how hard it is to get chocolate milk out of a band uniform? It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That's my big complaint about Halloween ends. Damn it. Um, it's it, it, it does feel soulless and mean. And you're following, you know, Corey, for some odd reason, is this bad boy. Allison is rebelling against Lori, who's taken over caring of her since Karen died. Lori is trying to move on from, from Michael. She's writing a book. She still hasn't hooked up with the sheriff yet. What the fuck? <laughs> um, and it turns out that Corey finds the shape just hanging out in the sewer. He's just chilling. He's just been chilling for the last year, getting old. He's It's finally catching up to him. He's like, shit, I'm in my late 60s. God damn it. Yep, they did the ultimate and sin. Once again, they removed the mystique and made him more human again, not in a remake way. It, it's connected to the original, so that's why it's inexcusable. Yeah, and one of the things they did at first was like Corey presents someone for him to kill, and he kind of rises up like Darth Vader all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, cool, he's gonna get repowered. But then Corey kicks the shit out of him and takes the mask. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> Corey Corey tries to be a, a serial killer like him. And and he he's he's good, but he's not as good. Like him and Michael kind of go killing together, but it's not enough. Corey wants to be him, and Jamie Lee Curtis senses that he's becoming evil. She can sense that he's becoming the shape. So she's like, "I don't want you near my granddaughter, fucker." Which is you know fair. <laughs> um, but they you know it, it finally it comes down to Corey versus Lori. 
and Corey kicks the shit out of him, of course. And then it's a final fight with a depowered Michael Myers. Like he comes back, takes his mask, finishes off Corey, and gets his ass handed to him. And the town people, they come together and they throw him in an industrial wood chipper. Um, yeah. That is that is this how this great trilogy ends. It's like you could have done like number one, you should have just ended with 2018. I'd have been so super satisfied with him burning. Or my here, here's what I thought with this trilogy. Number one, you don't need three films, you need two. You do the opening of 2018, you do kills, okay? Like you have kills be the first part. You somehow write it so that you get to the house at the end of the second movie and you burn his ass up and that's the end. I'll, I'll excuse that if you rearrange the order in some way and ditch ends altogether. Um, I hate copycat killers for the most part. I like Friday the 13th Part 5 only because the main killer is Roy. If he was named someone else, I'd be like... <laughs> that is the only reason why I like uh, Friday the 13th Part 5. I'm always like, go Roy! Go, Roy. They killed your son. Take revenge. But Corey, I give two shits about Corey. I hate Corey. I ranked Halloween ends at 11 only because of my disdain for uh, Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and Resurrection just spitting in the face of the theme of Halloween altogether. What did you rate Halloween ends at? This is my least favorite. Uh, it's Bottom number it, it's number thirteen. I think. I mean, you could say that Resurrection is a worse movie, and on a lot of technical levels, it is. But Halloween ends like didn't really offer me much of anything out of out of any entertainment, other than the music was really good. Um, I even think the final fight between him and Laurie was really subpar. Like, I mean, it didn't reach near the heights of the final fight in the 2018 Halloween or H2O. It, I, yeah. Um, I think they really dropped the ball. Um, I think it's the worst one. And I didn't even watch it until recently. Like, I didn't watch it in theaters because I heard I... what they were doing with it. And usually I stay away from that sort of thing. But I was like, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch it until it comes out on Blu-ray. I watched it for the first time a couple of weeks, and I was just like, "Wow, that was, that was." I did not like that at all. I I watched it in theaters the day it premiered on Peacock, and when Ruth and I left the theater, she's like, "Did you know that it was for free today? We could have watched it for free. We didn't have to spend any money." And I was like, "Well, I mean." We really didn't spend a lot of money. She's like, we spent $20 on popcorn and drinks. We could have just had that at home. Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> and what's wild to me is like, I know I don't know. Maybe Carpenter didn't have as much to say as, as I would have liked him to. Because I, I know that his whole thing with the sequels, they ruin the mystique of Michael Myers. But yeah, they do it yet again in Halloween Ends where they make him more human. Um, uh -huh. And... They make him old. I don't mind them making him look old, but acting old is a different thing. Like, um, I like the idea of him looking like an old guy, but still, like, like not old, slowing down. Old in, old in the face, but built like Tyler Mayne. <laughs> right. But it's like a, 
because he's not a man. I mean, he's not human. Loomis has been right. saying that since the original. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Um, it is weird that Carpenter had his gave his blessing uh, on this um, because his his review of Halloween Resurrection was I saw that one, the one that where they're in the house and it was like oh geez oh man oh god why <laughs> like he, he he did not like that one at all and it's like yeah but you were okay with them doing a, a copycat killer. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but, uh, yeah, so not, not the greatest, that's for sure. And like I said, I've had, uh, misgivings of Halloween movies before. So, uh, I want you to go ahead. You, you said you had an idea for a Halloween movie. So I always thought that it would be neat to explore Loomis's family like, I mean, obviously Don Pleasant is no longer with us, so we could have, like, his son trying to pick up his dad's old notes, and maybe Michael Myers has disappeared, like like I said, after the fire, and maybe even Haddonfield itself is abandoned because it's got this stain of this murderer on it. So maybe Lewis's son, with a group of people, goes to Haddonfield, like, um, to do research and to see his father's old stomping grounds. And it turns out Michael Myers is just living there as like a homeless person or whatever. And starts killing them one by one. I think that would be really interesting to see it from the point of view of, Oh, my dad was never home because of this, because he was chasing the serial killer. And now I'm like picking up his steps to figure out what the big deal was. That's not bad. I like the idea. Um, it, it definitely uh, has some potential there. Should uh, we should uh, uh, contact Bloomhouse that has the rights? Be like, let's do another legacy sequel set in a different universe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Halloween but series overall is a choose your own adventure type thing, anyway. Right, right. So, my idea would be a follow. We would ignore. Um, Halloween Resurrection, but it would take place after Halloween H2O because I came up with this idea after H2O, my friend Terry and I and we may have discussed it in another every time I try to record with Terry something horrible goes wrong, the recording gets screwed, so it's kind of hard. We've tried to do like three or four different recordings, but since he lives in the middle of nowhere his connection speed always causes problems uh, but we wanted to talk about um, our Friday the 13th movie we wanted to do and our Halloween movie and I may have mentioned it before, but my idea, the title of the movie was Halloween Legacy of Michael Myers. Uh, as I said, if you watch the other Halloween movies, you will notice that Michael Myers looks different in almost every single movie. Different mask, different build, different tactics, different speed. Uh, but like HDO, he's hanging from the rafters. He's, you know, he's thin and raily. He's doing, you know, doing all crazy shit. So what I wanted to do was Haddonfield, it, you know, has got a bit of peace and then the like attacks start happening. We're going to follow a cop this time who is on the trail of Michael Myers. And I know you're going to, you're, what you're going to say is you're going to hate this idea because it does ruin some mystique of Michael Myers. Um, the plot that I came up with is that Smith's Grove, like, 
The Cult. And I know, <laughs> The Cult of Thorn, very popular. <clears throat> they, are, they are not protecting Michael Myers. They are making Michael Myers. As in, they are taking people with horrible disassociative disorders and reprogramming them into Michael Myers. So in other words, every time Michael dies in a movie, yet somehow he comes back, it's because it's a different Michael. Um, I know, controversial. Hor you know, people would hate this idea, but I just love it. I don't know. I'm tickled pink by the idea of a cop wandering into a wing of Smith's Grove while he's trying to track down this doctor who he realizes is responsible for all the carnage that's been going on for like the last 30 years in Haddonfield. And he wanders into a ward and it's all these people covered in sheets and the doctor like flips a switch and a humming noise goes on and you just see all the people just sit up out of their, their beds and the, and the cloth falls off of them and they're all Michaels <laughs> and they all turn towards the cop. Don't ask me how he gets, gets away from a room full of Michael Myers, all super powered psychotics with uh, knives and scalpels and shit. <laughs> he holds up his hand and there's the, the thorn symbol and that's that gets them out. He throws some stones at them. They're like, oh shit, stones. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, man, and, and the funny thing was when we were talking about the idea, I was like, you know what? Legacy of Michael Myers. The idea that Michael Myers isn't just a man. He is he is a myth. He is a legend. And they use this legend to uh perform experiments in fear on Haddonfield. It it sounds like it would it would fit right in the uh, anthology series that Carpenter was trying to do with Halloween three. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to explain why the fuck they couldn't cast Michael to look the same. Don't ask me how I pull off Jason and figure out how he's a redneck hillbilly with red hair and a beard in one movie and then completely bald in the next. But yep. <laughs> all right. Um, Hell of a hell of a podcast today talking about the Halloween trilogy and 161 minutes. That's not bad. That's not bad for 13 Good. movies for 13 movies. I think we did great because we did a freaking Star Trek in three parts. So um, I have no clue what we're going to talk about next. Uh, we'll figure it out. I got to push this one, publish it. You know, we'll talk about it. You can um, you can check Alex on YouTube uh, what is your YouTube channel? It's um, Alex Ross, a.k.a. Charles Ross. There we go. Alex Ross, a.k.a. Charles, a. Charles Ross. Um, is it Bad Movie Bingo? Yep, yep. The latest series? Or B Movie Bingo. B Movie Bingo. B Movie Bingo. I'm horrible. I'm sorry. But remember, at the beginning of this podcast, I did say I was a horrible person. So True. Um you can catch me uh crockpus art tiktok crockpus art and uh x i guess i'll give up and say it fine um you can check out my uh t-shirt designs i'm gonna be uploading a crap ton of t-shirt designs this week for my 31 halloween gallery on crockpus art uh at t public um, and you can also catch me on um, my sister podcast here uh, from our couch where I make fun of my family for liking Big Brother. But then I <laughs> but then I talk about Big Brother. So I'm just as big a dork. So 
All right. I think that's it. I hope everybody has a safe and happy Halloween. Uh, say goodnight uh, to everybody. Look out for the boogeyman. Boogeyman's coming. The boogeyman's coming. Bye-bye.